During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Game Over Greggy Show. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. Hi. How you doing? I'm well. Does it feel like the old days, wearing the headphones? Kevin's off at some dumb wedding. It does. I'm just going to monitor for a few minutes and then just throw them on the ground and step Don't on. know. that We just bought new headphones. Gonna, so it's, that... it's not a wedding. It's a sexy birthday rendezvous. It's you just you told me there was a wedding today. He told me he was at a wedding. Mm-mm. Is he getting married? No. What's the corpse's name? Anyways. Paula. <laughs> so what she, wow. paula took him away for his birthday yeah where'd they go um they some weird safari thing that doesn't sound sexy yeah i saw him at a zoo or something sounds such. like malaria yeah malaria. it sounds fun though from safari? the far i talked to him it sounded good i heard an elephant in the background you did like, not hear an elephant hear in the background i did not over but, there the pier one tim gettys hello over here proud of long island call moriarty good to be here with you today pet portola's head this little son of a bitch. He's getting old. He is. He's getting all gray. Yep. And dumb. No, he's always been dumb, I guess. He's always been dumb. Yeah, that's, not, that's no change. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Tired. I'm feeling good. Yeah? Yeah. We're coming off MomoCon. Mm-hmm. Thank you to everybody who came out to MomoCon, came to see us at our yes, panels, thank you hung that. out with us, came for to For all of you asking out there, Momo is Japanese for peach. And peach is a big deal. The official in Georgia. fruit of Georgia. Georgia. Which is where MomoCon was. Right. Oh, well, well, no progress in peaches. No, what they also explained it. to me was that peach is synonymous uh-huh. with anime. And, and I like, why, why do you say it that anime. way? Anime. 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 Uh, now, what peaches and anime have to do with each other? I have no idea. I don't know why. Why would they call it? They're essentially calling it peach con. They're Which doing makes that, sense if it's a farmer's market. No, I think it's I think it's cute. They're doing it because Georgia's well known for its peaches. This is a right. Japanese centric thing, and so they're just saying it's MomoCon. Like it's 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 implied. You know, right? The thing is, is that most people that even go to MomoCon have no idea that it means peach, right? Mm-hmm. Including me, I didn't know that until a few days before we even went. Mm-hmm. It has peach in the uh, official logo. logo. Yeah, from MomoCon. It's all it's all once you see it, it's like the FedEx area. You can't unsee it. I just I'm I'm one of those guys that likes names that are incredibly descriptive. Hold so on. like Comic Is Con, it like the FedEx thing, Greg. Just like the FedEx, or thing. are they just very clear peaches? <laughs> well, no, it's not like it's just one. You're in the, instead of seeing the arrow, you're seeing the peach in Momo. You always see the peach as a peach, but it's when you know Momo means peach, the logo takes on a whole new meaning. I guess so. Just like when you understand arrow means arrow, FedEx means different things. Okay, now you finally won me over with that. I still think he's wrong. Let me ask you an unrelated question, Greg. Sure. When you pick, I always notice you pick up Portillo with authority. You pick up Portillo as if you've done it once or twice. Yeah, once or twice. Does he fit 
in your hand in a very specific way. Yeah, rib cage right, rib cage right in the center of it. But palm. so like one on, yeah, so like you always can pick him up in the right way because so you always right. see him real quick. You always, now you always support <laughs> his butt because he's got the back, you know. You're like like when I'm picking him up, he just starts. He's he's a little more penguiny. Yeah, he gets a little. And you're not giving him. The, you're not giving him the support he's used oh, to. Oh, that's fantastic! Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. He knows. He knows you have the untrained hand. The, un, the unskilled hand. Yeah. Then see, so he's struggling there, and now he's calm again. He's doing. You bring him close to your body. You get. You get a ride on the rib cage right there. Until you're a little chill, bitch. You just chill. <laughs> I also like that when you he Greg hands Portillo to you. Portillo immediately starts doing the mouth noise. That you love. I know he you does love. No, he's. Imp- it's, I feel like he looks you right in the eye. When he I does feel it. like we're bigger adversaries than ever. Then yeah, but also it's mutual. <laughs> yeah, we sure. have an unspoken love for each other. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. as pictures have proven on the internet. Sure, but um, the animosity is real mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. No, I mm-hmm. can feel it. Yeah, you're, you're like two Super Bowl quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You respect each other, mm-hmm. and in the off season you might like each other, but when you're on the field, when you're on the gridiron, right. Mm-hmm. All bets are off. Now, here's the funny thing. It didn't derail. So no, you were waiting good. for it. it was here, here was the thing I was thinking about before. Is that I mean, it didn't make much sense. Like, no, why? Nothing the, does. Is, are the quarterbacks all on the field? It's like LA all and Montana bets were famously really good. But what is all friends. bets are off? They, they're not like trying they're to hit each gonna, other. No, but they're not going to. They're not going to. Throw like, interceptions on purpose? Well, no, yeah. They're not going to like go easy on each other. But I'm like, I'm, I'm going to play this game as hard as humanly possible. I don't care if my best friend's playing against me, is basically what's happening. Okay. I think it makes sense. I think you're analyzing it too much. I think it makes more sense than you're like. more like Michael Strahan versus Brett. Favre and there's sure. and when they go out there it's just you know all the classic are matchup. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna it say makes more sense than when you were like this. B- broke the sack record sacking him. But you remember this? It was totally like a fucking fake thing where Red yeah, Favre told Favre them played. to let him through and then he fell down like it's stupid. Yeah, it was it was not. You don't deserve it, Michael Strahan. Um, but here's the thing though. I was thinking about too with Portillo. I've known for a while, but it was brought up to me not too long ago that Portillo used to bite Christine when she first moved in with you a couple times. Yeah, not savagely either. Uh, I mean. Let's be clear. I don't think that's possible Portillo for that thing savage. to savagely oh, yeah. do anything. Well, you've seen, him, you've, seen him, you've seen him set on a toy, but nonetheless, I was thinking about, so he did that because he was used to being, you know, alone with you. Number one, right? yeah. And then Christine would obviously be sleeping in your bed and he would be kind of cast off. Sure. Jealousy. Now, what Attention. I've always found about this and, and why I think that I'm Portillo's second favorite. Mm-hmm. In, in the world is because sure. Portillo's never bitten me. Now I've not I've not slept often with Greg in the same bed. It's mm-hmm. not to say I've mm-hmm. never slept mm-hmm. in the same bed as Greg. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. We wouldn't say but, anything crazy. But when Portillo and Greg moved in here in 2011, Portillo's never once snapped at me or barked at me or gotten mad at me at all. So I feel like I have the advantage right now in Portillo's heart and mind. Heart, right here. Mind, right here. <laughs> and I feel like I doubt it. I feel like there's something to be said about I it. I think him and Steimer buried their I was gonna say bridges. That doesn't make any sense. They buried the bridges. They mended they their did. bridges quite some time ago. The point is I had no bridges to mend. Sure. You see. But he hears you yell at him. He doesn't know. You send him to bed every so often. Just you for fun sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> he doesn't like, even know if he's good or bad. Let's go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Greg, let's be honest. He has when you go send him to bed, he doesn't know he's being mad. No, I know he's stupid. It's not that he's necessarily stupid. It's that you never trained him. No, I trained him. So he just goes to bed. He, he puts his ears down. He, and knows. he knows he did something off. wrong. He knows he did something so wrong. So like at any mo- moment in time, I can just tell him to go to bed, and it's and he's fine. He usually doesn't believe you, though. No, he doesn't. But then he knows when I'm getting stern. I, I I look at him. Like what's funny is that he does the rollover thing sometimes with you, like where he he won't move. Where he really doesn't want to. But go to bed. like I only have to look at him to make him do that. Like where I'll tell him something and he'll just ignore it, and then I'll look at him and he'll like roll over because yeah. he knows that like Submissive. I'm coming at him. Yeah, <laughs> and then I'll just push him 
down, down the, the hallway, hallway. Yeah, yeah. until he gets on his feet and then he'll run down the hall and he has such thing Greg calls it a, a tractor trailer out of control where like he's going and then he'll just turn this way and keep going he's so he's like walking sideways just kind of like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's a weird he's too long he doesn't know what's going on weird back there creature. It, is, it is the length issue I yeah. think and, mm-hmm. and also juxtaposed to the short uh, stature of his legs yeah mm. I feel very um, I sympathize with him I got short legs long torso <laughs> I got you, dog. So I'm just, I'm just necessarily, I'm just calling it. You know, Portel and I might not have a lot of time to bond, but Portel and I have an unspoken bond, and it never, never went astray. He and never bit me. <laughs> sure, he was a younger, wilder dog okay. back in his day. I think is the big thing. But you make a good point because you're both my bitch. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know, this is the Game Over Greggy Show. Each and every week, four, sometimes five, best friends gather around this table. Each bring a random topic of discussion for your amusement. That was real good. I need to rely on you because I, I couldn't do it and hold the why dog. Are you, why are you holding the mic? This is the problem, and I love the dog, but when he wants to be on the show, I cross so my needy. legs, and then I sit way off the mic. And so then if I come up to the mic, he doesn't have enough room to sit because I got this gut that blocks him out. Let me be clear. Yeah. He doesn't want to be on the show because he doesn't know anything's happening right now. No, he wants you to be on my lap. on your lap all the time so that he j- that's just <laughs> that's his natural place. He also knows to shine. He knows to shine in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. You've seen him look at the camera. Don't act like that's that's something that yeah, his, you say. About. You say I haven't trained Portello. I've trained him to be a camera hog. He knows what's up. Yeah. You put a camera on this dog at any time, he knows it. Yeah, he knows it right now. Well, right now, he's just, uh, he knows, I mean, if we needed to put him out there. What I've been thinking about doing is bringing his dog bed in here, putting it on the center of the table, and just leaving him in the center of the table at all times. He could be the new centerpiece. That's I fine. like that until he, like, he smells better than that. Accidentally traps or something. <laughs> tumbles to his desk. I mean, he's not going to move in the middle of the show. I, mean, I, I can hold him this way the entire time. Yeah, but you're holding him. Yeah. If he's just of his free volition. We would have a good five seconds of him getting up and getting ready to move before something bad would happen. What we would need is have you guys seen the movie Gladiator? And yeah, they put Russell him Crow. in the middle, and then they put the four tigers in the side of him, so he can't go anywhere, and he has to fight the guy. We'd need some sort of system in place like that for me to be okay with him being in the middle of the table. I mean, are we I'm worried the tigers about in this. Do we have? Is there such a thing as a mini tiger? We'll get four cats, and we'll tether them to the sides. <laughs> and then, we'll bring Chloe back. Yeah, Chloe will fuck him up. Like Each bringing to. a random topic of conversation for your amusement. If you like that, go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny and toss us a few bucks. But if you don't have any money to give us, no big deal. Wait until next week, because Monday through Thursday we break the show up topic by topic, day by day, and post it on youtube.com slash kindoffunny before we post the entire thing for free Friday on youtube.com slash kindoffunny and podcast services around the world. Greg, do you think Portillo ever thinks of Chloe and remembers no. her? No. no. And the Do you? I don't know. See, this is the thing I was telling you about. When Chloe lived here, Chloe the cat, which was Mike Mitchell's cat, I loved her very much. She would always be in my room. She was in my room all the time because uh, Mike wasn't here a lot, and I used to like really take care of her. And she would be at the sliding door, and she would just sit in between the sliding door and the curtain and look outside all the time. Mm-hmm. And she, there's a cat that lives across the way yeah. that I've named Frederick. I named him Frederick a long time ago. I don't know what his actual name is. He's like a ratty looking like black and brown cat. He looks like that. He looks like alternate universe garbage pail Heathcliff. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly right. And he would like come out of, saunter out of the house that he's from and like kind of walk around the, the, the backyard. And then eventually he realized that Chloe was always at the window. And so they would actually sit like together, like separated by a window and just sit there for hours. And I have like all this film of them doing this and like pictures. It's so funny. Each thinking the other was in prison. And, um, so, eventually, Chloe left, and Frederick, I see him once in a while, like, roaming around, but I have a white stuffed cat 
Mm-hmm. And I, after about 18 months, it's a white, it's, it's Rolo from Tales of Exilia 2. And I, and, and Cheryl actually had the great idea. And I, so I put, she's like, put the cat at the window and see if Frederick comes and thinks it's Chloe. And this was like 18 months after, like he had last seen and had an yeah. interaction with Chloe. And I did it and he came. Isn't that fucking weird? Did so he mourn? He, he, he just brought her fishes and stuff and just mourned. It was cried. so weird. There was a time where I used to leave my slide door open sometime, and like one of them cut through the the this the uh, like the screen. Screen, yeah. To either get in or out. I don't know. Like, no what shit. Happened. Yeah. Which one do you think it was? It was probably Chloe cutting to get out. You think so? Yeah, because Chloe Chloe got out a couple of times and then she freaked out and like just ran back and she like never tried to like, run away because she was fat and lazy, but. Um, <laughs> So I always thought that was funny that Frederick, because Frederick would come around every once in a while and just hang out and like think, and then eventually stopped coming. Yeah. Like realizing that she was gone. It but then when much. I put, from afar, he saw like a white apparition in the window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was. And so he came up and he was very disappointed when he realized it was a stuffed animal of Rolo from Tales of Exilia 2. And so, mm. and so that's how that story goes. So I feel like Portillo might have nightmares every once in a while of Chloe just batting him right in his fucking face like, he, like she used to. That's pretty even. I'm, uh, there's video proof of him chasing her down the hallway that one time. Yeah, but that he never time. attacked her. He, like, he couldn't damage her. You know? She's way too fast. And that's just the nature. But I, I saw her several times just oh, yeah, she fucking him. beat him. She bat him. You know? <laughs> We're going to do that thing and run away. Tim, what's your topic? <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me it's not Portillo. It is not Portillo. So, we're coming up on my favorite week of the year. E3. Ah, so, here's the thing. Nick's reaction right there upsets me. I don't like that one bit. We've been working at IGN for a long time. Now we're not, but for a long time we were there, right? Yeah. And there's this like kind of sentiment among a lot of people that have been working in the industry for a long time. They're like, "Oh, T3. Oh, I hate this. This is the worst week ever. Uh, I don't. I want this to be over." Are you guys fucking crazy? No, we're 100 saying you're the crazy one. No, no. I remember being a little kid and wanting nothing more than for it to be June mm. because it's my birthday at the end of June. But sure. also because I knew that I was about to know all the games that I was going to buy in November. And I was so excited about that. Sure. E3 is you, start, you start thinking about what they're going to announce. You start making predictions. You start talking to your friends about it. You just get fucking hyped. And then all of a sudden, Japanese dudes come out and freaking play Santa Claus and start throwing gifts at you, right? Right. It's the fucking best. That's, that's what E3 sure. is, Sure. Right? Yeah. So, uh, what, Nick? Uh, I, he already wants to start poking holes in your thing. You're no, exactly I'll, I'll wait for you to finish your topic before your what the full topic is before I start lambasting you. Oh, God. I mean, my topic is just E3 in general. Yeah. Like, do you still feel that magic that you once I, did? See, my thing is I never really felt the magic because E3 is always synonymous in my head with working ridiculously hard for very little in return. Um, my first year of E3, I don't think we slept for the first couple of days, and I don't know why we did that other than that's how we thought that's how you're supposed to cover a show. Um I always equate it to I always dread E three until we get to it because I was uh, I was actually talking to Neha this morning from GameSpot, GameSpot. Working with GameSpot, um, GameSpot.com slash E three dash kind of funny, kind of funny dash E three. I'll look at it. Well, I think you'll be able to just go to GameSpot.com during E three. Well, yeah, I'm talking about right now and see our little funny video. Oh, fun. Um, but yeah, Neha and I were kind of we're tired. I mean, obviously, we're both tired for different reasons. She's been dealing with it on a much bigger scale because she's the director of video over there and has to kind of coordinate everything. But we were talking today, and she's like. She's like, I don't know. I just kind of look to June 20th when I'm just not there anymore and I could just sit by a pool and have a cocktail and relax. And uh, I think we both kind of agreed that the lead up to E3 is, is the stressful part. Exactly. During the show, I always have a blast. I'll be honest with you. Because like when I used to do the pre and post show 
with uh, with Greg and Colin, and yeah, I think yeah, you were. I don't know if you were I've part of that. A bunch of random stuff. Yeah, you you used to kind of be around, kind of segment producing for us. You wore a nice suit last year. It was. I did. Yeah, like the getting the sets together, getting all the branding and the sponsorship stuff together. It was, it was like you have to do it, but it's a pain in the ass because you're like, you know, they want you just have to track down so many different details, and you're you're working with so many different moving parts. Whereas when the show's going. And you can't really change any of the big things. We're like, well, we can't really change the set because the set's here and we're all on top of it. So great. That's off the list. Um, you get a much better sense of like uh, uh, energy and excitement, right? Because you're like, oh, we're going to do a live show. It's going to be fun. And this is like a lot of eyes are on this. And it means a lot to a lot of people, which is the most important thing. Um, same with Comic-Con where you're like, we're, we're mounting this big production. We're a part of this cultural thing that's happening, this big zeitgeist that's happening right now. And it means something to people, which is great. But everything up until that point is like torture, is mental torture. That's the thing. I think you're talking. I love E3. I still enjoy E3. I feel the magic of E3. The thing about E3, though, and I understand the people who are not jaded, but who are like, oh, I don't, I'm not into this, is the fact that from a consumer, it's just Christmas. But yeah. for everybody else, it's you're at the base of the mountain looking up to the peak. Like, I got a long way to go. You know what I mean? Like, setting up this schedule out there, let alone doing our normal jobs in this show and helping Nick set up the room. And it's like, I start to answer an email and leave, and now there's 15, and now two people are competing for the same time slot. And it's like, ah, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing of all the gr- the gears grinding against each other of mm-hmm. like, ah. And then you get there, and it's fun. Yeah, and it's great, but there is that... I'm on stage and I'm doing this and is the next guest here yet? And if they aren't, why aren't they here? And what are we going to do? And da da da. And I got to remember, I'm still on for this person. Do, 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 do. There's so many different things there. Yeah. I love E3. Good. Um, no, I, I mean, this is the first E3 in a long time that I was at, at all exciting, looking forward to going. Like when June came around, typically I was like, fuck. Because I really, E3 is tough and I don't, I get why people are excited. I used to be excited too when I'd watch it from afar. But when I went to my first one in 2004, um, you know, I, I quickly learned that it was um, not fun. And really, all of the fun for me, it, like at, at, in going to the show and absorbing the show, even as a consumer, even though I'm not really, I guess, a consumer anymore. I'm just in media or whatever the fuck it is we do. But personality, personality, but is the press conferences. Yep. The press conferences are all that matter, and they all happen. Within 24 hours, mm-hmm. and then there's just three more days of fucking hell. Yeah, I mean that was that was ba- like it all. It's all front loaded before the show even ha- happens. The coolest shit happens. It's not like E3 happens and then the best part happens. It's E3 happens and then it just gets worse and worse. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so you know that's the one thing that I like to keep in mind. I, as someone who doesn't really like being around crowds and doesn't really like absorbing things and nerd culture in that way of going to conventions and stuff that's not really like my style i would love to live in an era like we do now or have lived in an era like we do now where you could watch the press conference and stuff like that because back in the day as i don't know a lot of a lot of people remember in 2000 2001 1999 98 whatever you'd have to wait and fucking refresh you know a website and wait for people like news to pop up and that's not the way it happens anymore so e3 is most fun to watch now from home being Mm -hmm. I, i am so confused why a normal person would want to go to this place because a you're not you're not going to get in any of the press conferences if you're not in the media and b then you get to go on a show floor and play a bunch of games and if you don't have press passes or appointments like we do like we did at IGN then you're going to wait in line you're going to play three or four games maybe of any then, consequence a day, and then you're going to have to leave. And I understand why people are excited about that, but to me, I always try to put it towards other people as like, listen, like we're doing this so you don't have to. So stay as far away from it as possible because <laughs> because like we'll go through this for you and we'll let you know what we think and at least mm-hmm. you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of. I understand know. that, but That's I think it's just take. I think it's just that we've gotten to live the other side of the equation. You know what I mean? If we're on the outside going to, e- I, I always talk about it at PAX 
when I'll talk to people at PAX at a meet and greet and be like, oh man, what uh, did you see today? What would you do? Well, we waited in line three hours to watch this 15-minute demo. I'm like, are you fucking crazy? Yeah, what the fuck? Are you fucking crazy? And the, but that's the experience. They're there for that game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the thing of like, they're going there to see Uncharted 4, just to see it. Yeah. To be one of the first thousand people that see it and but, get to see it. But here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing, Greg, is that and for really for everyone is I understand as Tim was alluding to that it sounds and is jaded right to say something like that but I'm unapologetic about it because I did it for this is like my ninety three and I'm and, and I I did it for so long and so many times that I just know that it's not like covering it from that standpoint doesn't change it doesn't get easier it it, it stays exactly the same it's hard and you work all day and all night to write this stuff. And you do it and you just kill yourself. And so I understand that the, the zeitgeist of being there is fun and being there is fun for people and playing games is fun. But when you have to work the show, it's a different beast entirely, which is why, frankly, I'm so excited about this E3 because we get to just go and do our show. I mean, a lot of pre-planning that we're going and you know, a lot of planning going into it. But we're there, you know, from nine to five or whatever. And then we, it, we're done because that's not the way it was. You know, like when you cover the game, when you cover games there, it's, you have appointments from nine to five and then you're up until three in the morning writing about them. And then you do it, you get up at seven and then you do it again over and over again. So I understand why people get upset when they say like, well, I'd kill to be at E3. And I understand that, but understand that our perspective is somewhat unique in the sense that we've done this. And I'm telling you, if you have to work the show, it is not fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone in the industry, anyone, that writes previews and sees games there that likes doing it. I've never met one person. <laughs> so, like, that's just that's just the reality of the situation. If you can just go and have fun and enjoy, yeah. that's different. But that's never been the way I've experienced either. So that's that's why I understand why it comes off as jaded, but mm-hmm. but I am unapolo- unapologetically jaded because that has been my experience. That's just the truth. I had one E3 that way. My first E3 was actually, like, I won a contest to go to E3, and that was, like, fucking mind-blowing because up until that point, I was just, like, I'm sure millions of people out there are one of those kids that's just like my dreams to go to e3 i want to be there i've for years read the magazines and heard about the three hour wait to play whatever game it was you know like brawl or all that stuff and i wanted that so badly and then then once once you get there there was like i'm not gonna fucking wait in line to play this goddamn game like i'll I'll watch it that's cool you know but i like greg was saying i don't understand the people that go and and want that but they do obviously And there's a a huge crowd for that but i remember being there actually being there that first year and instantly being like oh fuck the thing that i like the most about e3 i'm not even getting because i'm here i couldn't go well, i couldn't watch the press conferences because i had to wait in line to get in you know and i mm-hmm. like i we actually got to go to the playstation um conference that year so yeah. here kevin butler came out that was fucking oh, wow. awesome like that was a memory i'll always have of me and alfredo going there and being in the press conference and being like holy shit this is amazing but that meant I didn't get to see Nintendo's press conference. That broke my heart. You know, it's you didn't like miss how, much. That, yeah, yeah, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good year that year. But but still, you know, I missed like the reveal of Donkey Kong Country Returns sure. and stuff like that. And like that's the shit that I live for. Like I wanted to see that. So then I I kind of got out of the press conference and I had to like wrap like get on my phone and try to keep refreshing and figure out all the things that happened. And then you just go to the show floor and it's just fucking, it's a disaster. There's just right. games and people and all this shit. There's just too much and it's hard to like actually understand where should I go and what I'm supposed to do. By day two, I was done with it. It's like, this is awesome. This is a spectacle and it's great. But whatever. Yeah. You know, and then, then I moved, like I got my job at IGN actually because of that trip to E3 when I went to the IGN booth and talked to people. But then I've been at IGN. This is now going to be my 63. And it's like, I can never go to the show floor again and I'd be totally fine. Like, yeah. That's all fine. 
I'm with you with the press conferences. I wish there was a way I could actually be in the room for all the press conferences, but that's impossible. If you go yeah, to Sony's, like, you can't go to Microsoft. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's the it's There the are some people that try. Like, I remember Fran used to, like, I think one year Fran they actually have did shuttles get and in, stuff, was yeah. able to make it to all of them. But you have to really want that, like, to be in that room when mm-hmm. that's happening. And also, it's just, I mean, there is, I've sat in many press conferences uh, filming them or doing, doing direct feed for them and things like that. It is fun. It's that that There's sense energy of to that live showmanship event. and energy, right? Like, especially since now we've all been in um, uh, the industry long enough to have seen uh, both consoles come out for the last two generations, right? So, like, dude, the hype of like seeing the PlayStation Four, or seeing the Xbox One, and like that whole—I mean, it really is. You talk about like presidential elections and how that is some people's Super Bowls. Well, like. You know, in the video game industry, that is a lot of like people love being caught up in that in that race between the the, the three mm-hmm. uh, major consoles, right? And then like seeing what Microsoft would do, and then Sony always having like going last and, and yeah. like making that impression, yeah. right? And like that whole debacle was it last year or the year before when Microsoft was like always was on, and we're just gonna just deal with it or whatever, and everyone's like what? And then Sony's like, well. You know, you could tell they called an audible a little bit and changed some wording just to kind of slam Microsoft one more time. And you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I mean, depending on which side you come down on, you like score one for the good guys or a boo, you know. Um, so there is that energy, too. But it was also cool. It was a unique experience watching it on the last time we did it at, at IGN because they had that beautiful stage and people could come and sit and watch it on a 60, 60-inch TV, not be bothered, not have to deal with the crowds. We watched every single one of them. You could relax, get food. That is an experience, too. And so in that in that regard, like, I, I do – I think that everyone should experience it once. And then once you do, you'll be, you'll be very, very uh, – appreciative of being able to watch the streams from the comfort of your own home yeah. and not need to deal with the crowd. Cause you're right. Like it's, you don't get to play as many games as you want. Um, and even if you do, you got to wait forever to do it. You know, there's always mm-hmm. a like third day though, when you're like, all right, I'm gonna go roll the show floor and like, screw yeah, That's yeah always it, it thins out a little bit about the third day too. I remember. So Alfredo every year would come over to my house and we'd just sit in my room and just watch the conferences and just be like freaking out over everything. Even the stuff that we didn't really care too much about. Like we'd even watch all the third party conferences and all that stuff that even back then they didn't show that much, you know? Um, Does like, EA still do a conference? Are they still doing a conference? Yeah. Yeah. They always right. do right. Um, yeah, EA will do one and UB will do one. Yeah. So well, said Konami used to do one, form, right? Because right? they'll hmm? be showing stuff. Did, did Konami used to do something. Konami they used, used to do one. Yeah, yeah, it's a, like a joke what they used to do. It was awful. Yeah. It was like an hour long. You're like, ah. And then this year Square Enix is jumping in and Bethesda is jumping in. So there's there's lots of um, conferences. A lot of, a lot of third party yeah. conferences. But I think that overall my best E3 experience has always been the recent years of IGN where we're all in one room watching it together. Everyone's reacting. Mm. Like, that was, that was just like the memories of me and Alfredo times a thousand because yeah, these yeah. are the people that give a fuck the most. Like I'll never forget the moment when uh, the picture of the Beyond guys was oh, yeah, yeah, in the yeah. Sony press conference. Like that was fucking magic. You know that was like yeah. fucking cool, man. And like um, that's the only time in my life I remember blushing. Oh really? Yeah, because like I, they had, they had called us ahead of time or text me ahead of time like the day before. Like, hey, do you care if we use that photo? Of you guys in shoe? I'm like, no. And I thought it would be like briefly mentioned yeah. and it was like fully featured right behind him in the way i didn't tell anybody at ign except like the immediate yeah. beyond crew and so the way the warden reacted i remember blushing because everybody flipped out yeah. about it i mean that was fucking cool and like just when games are announced or like when big moments happen and at e3 there's always like at least one a year of something that happens that makes everyone go oh fuck like yeah. even if something like killer instincts coming back oh shit that's cool you yeah. know and yeah. people, like even if people don't give a fuck when it actually comes out mm-hmm. that moment of it being announced is special right and like man e3 it's just it's fucking great today. 
Jeff Keighley announced that he's hosting the YouTube, YouTube one. like E3 stream or whatever. And that's fucking exciting. And they, they released this trailer that I put on my Twitter. I don't know if you guys can find it at some point. This might be way too late for that. But look for it. It's the Jeff Keighley E3 trailer for YouTube. And um, it was just fucking epic. There's just epic music playing. It's kind of like a history of E3. And he's just like giving this speech about like why E3 is important. It's like it's the Super Bowl for gaming. And like you get to see all the different people competing. And it's just showing all these moments from E3's history. And I'm just like, man, like... We've been in this a long time. Like yeah. a lot of things have happened, and it's like mm-hmm. to see Miyamoto go on the stage, and like E three creates these characters out of these business guys. Sure, you know, and it's like you know Nintendo obviously has Reggie and stuff. We got Shu, we got like Microsoft guy number one, number two, number three, whatever. Phil Spencer, come yeah, on! But you know what I mean. It's yeah, like I know you, what you mean. even if you don't know their names, when you see these guys, you're like, oh. That guy's back. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, I remember when he did that stupid thing, or like, oh, this guy makes good announcements. Like, it's a really special time where it's like a weird family reunion every year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where you see these people and then you keep seeing them year after year. It's like some guys move to different companies and yeah. stuff, but it's like it makes you care about things that I think the normal people don't care about. To us, these are people we work with all the time or yeah. like, you know, know of. But like I remember not working at IGN, not giving a fuck about like the actual people talking. But then realizing maybe I kind of do, and that's kind of cool to me. Well, also, yeah. nobody beats Jack Trenton. Jack Trenton was the best. Nobody. He was the best in the biz. Yeah, he was. He was. He was his biz. delivery was great. I mean, again, like I, the thing about it being the Super Bowl for gamers is it's true, but it's like as if the end of the game happened in the beginning, right? And that's and that's like the, and that's, <laughs> that's kind of true. like you know what I mean. That's kind of the issue, like in terms because I really do love the press conferences. I really do. I don't care who's so, talking or what they're saying. It's just like this is the announcements are tangible because one of the. One of the things that about E3 that bothered me is I really don't like writing previews. Like it's the least favorite thing that I had ever ever do, and I don't really need to play games early either. Like I don't get I don't get off on that. Yeah, like, I'm with you on that. Like like it's just it's not really necessary for me unless it's like I I remember playing Mega Man Nine for the first time in E3 and that was really awesome and I was excited about that or Fallout Three. But these games are like few and far between. Where I'm like I really need to play this right now, you know? Because usually the games are not ready. They mm-hmm. they feel and play and and look different. It's by the just time a you normal thing of like I'm playing 15 minutes three hours in that I'm going to have to replay again when it comes out exactly, anyway. Yeah. And it's spoiling this, that, and the other. So it's like, once also, I know interested... like when, when the world around you is hyper-colored and you're hearing this, us, 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 and you're just like, and you fought through a sea of sweaty people, and I don't give a shit how clean you are, by day two of E3, you're not clean anymore. You're hot you're and disgusting, not, especially if you're carrying a bag. You get there, you, um, you're late, you're frantic about being late, you have no idea where to go because you go to the one check-in desk, but there's three That's others the around international this giant press check-in fucking desk. thing. You're not international press, you're, you're U.S. press, you gotta go to that person, Candy's not here, sorry, I don't know who to talk to you about. Candy? Uh, I don't know. You're always like this, I'm here to see Phil. And they're like, oh, you mean candy? You're like, I don't. They're like, they're always. There's always someone that like that person that really knows what's going on. Just stepped away for a mm. second. This person that was hired as staff three days ago and they just gave the shirt to that looks official is always like this. I don't. And they have a. They always have a clipboard that they that's like within arm's reach. And they're like, I don't see. I don't. Is there? Is there Phil? Do you know Phil? Can you go get Phil? I don't know who Phil is. <laughs> and then they just look at you and you look at them and you're like. And if Phil doesn't immediately come back into your eyesight, you're just fucked. Yeah. You're just fucked. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird, it's definitely a weird experience. I, I think that one of the things I was confused about this year was the hype of like getting like prosumers getting in. And I'm like, dude, like to be perfectly honest with you, half the people at E3 are just not doing anything. Like it's, it's no, it's no different than usual. You know what I mean? Like E3 would actually be way more manageable if it literally was an industry show because there would be, because 
Oh, there's not awesome. that many people in the industry. The, like, year like, that like, it, the year that it was an industry show when they when they decided to scale it back was really like with the exception of having to drive to every place. I thought that was a lot more. You're talking about Santa Monica year. It that's was like it the, was, that's infamous that year. It wasn't great, but it was a lot more like when you stepped onto the show floor. You're like, oh, I can literally walk to any single game I want to play right now because well, that there was, was the not year a ton after of people. San, there. After the year after Santa Monica, they came back to the convention center and had it on lockdown in terms of who could be there. Maybe and I remember the walking around that year not being bad, but it also wasn't the same. Yeah, well, that was the year they also like were like no booth babes, any of that stuff. Remember that? Like, yeah. Outlawed booth famous. Isn't that, that the was, still? That was Isn't the other broke case. There was yeah, no there, there, I think there, there, there are no booth they babes. Have, they have girls that well, walk they around. Well, that was the year that they started it, though. The booth babes? Yeah. No. no booth babes. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, that's the thing. I, I, I've I always known it was not necessarily – they call it an industry show. It's not an industry show. There's a lot of people there that it just kind of somehow figured out to get in, and they're more fans than they are industry. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because kudos to them. They yeah, figured it absolutely. out. absolutely. I'm not mad about it. But I remember the first year – I was like two years ago. I walked around with Greg, and I remember I'm like, oh, shit, this is a nice reminder that this actually isn't that big of an industry show because – you couldn't walk five feet without someone wanting to take a picture of you. And like when you go to an industry event, that doesn't happen. Sure. Right. You're not, you're getting people who know you, they work with you as a professional. They see you in a different light. Whereas when you walk in the show and 40 people want to like get near you, I'm like, okay, this is more like Momocon than I don't know like that. I think that, I mean, they are industry people. They're just on a different level of industry. Like they're on the blog level and stuff like that. Yeah. But I don't think it's as easy to get in as you guys are making it out. No, I, I mean, I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I, n- I always got in with IGN every year. This is the first year I'm going with someone else. But I know plenty of people that are like, I just put in my blog. And, well, like, yeah, they're not the, really But they checking. have a blog, though. I mean, yeah, that's exactly. the thing. It's like the, the, it does but require, it, but it's it, not, you can't sure. just go. But, sure. but, but it's not, and again, I don't care who goes. I mean, go if you want. If you can get in, get in. But that's I'm it. saying it's not a blog like Kotaku. Mm-hmm. It's like a blog yeah, well, that no one reads. You're yeah, but but you, you don't like, have to need a blog. Yeah, I thought you could work for a retail outlet and still get into it. Yeah, you can that, get but in even all There's a lot of limits. It's not just as simple as going. It's like each, and I want to, quote this because I'm not sure, but like sure. Best Buy locations, I think that two people per location get to go or yeah, something Yeah, but think like about that. that. Yeah, I know. I know. How many but it's Best like, Buys are there? That's like another 2,000 people that are going to that show that like aren't necessarily on the in the yeah, industry. But I mean, I, we're talking Best Buys in the that area. Sure. Like people aren't going to fly out. Well, I mean, some well, people, people would. would. Yeah, you some know, people would. would. But yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, the Game point spots. is, it's not Game just, stops. they're not just letting anyone in. And it's like, it, even if you want to go, like, you do need to kind of you need to prove yourself in some way I, that I'll you tell can... you this, though. I bet it would be probably easier to get into E3 than Comic-Con. No. Dude, if you can't get a ticket to Comic-Con, you're not you're not going. Like, that lottery system's absurd. The way they, you have to sign up for Comic-Con these days, and then, like, you have to, like, buy a vial and put your blood in, and it has to check that maybe you have the vampire strain. There's, like, all sorts of weird shit you gotta do to get into Comic-Con these days. Well, I, I get that. that I still think pass. it's easier to get into Comic-Con, because it, it's I, I, publicly sold. Yeah, but then mm. they sell out in like a day. But are we yeah, still, I know. So you're like, talking about as an industry, it's easier to get get. Well, into. I'm talking about if I wanted to go to Comic Con right now, yeah. three weeks out. Sure, it would be. It's in, like it's, I'm not getting a ticket. It's impossible. I have to buy it on the black market. Well, yeah, but you could do that. You can't buy an E3 ticket. I don't know. I bet you. You probably it. could, but you shouldn't be selling those because then that's a quick way to get blackballed by everybody. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, but they like check ID and like with E3, they check ID against the thing, and it's like, yeah, you could get in for some of the days, and <laughs> that's but my then favorite once thing. You get caught, then you're fucked. That's my favorite thing though is that we get our passes, and then they and then they like there'll be a door where guys like the people are getting in fake passes or whatever, and so they they like one guy is checking ID, and you just go to the door like right next to him, just walk. Yeah, like that's how that's how secure it is. You like, see it, and you just keep walking until you see someone not but checking no, ID. But nonetheless, I mean, to wrap it up. In a succinct way, if you're ready to wrap it up, Tim, is I, I, yeah. I mean, my kind of closing argument is that this is authentically is the first year I'm like really, really excited to go again because we just get to experience it now in a different way, in a way that I think Greg maybe experienced it a little more than I was able to experience it until maybe a couple of years ago. 
where like I still was really in the trenches and I was still in the shit when I was mm-hmm. at E3, man. And mm-hmm. it's and it's really really a rough show. So yeah, like I get I get it, and I understand how fucking annoying it is to hear that from someone. Like I've been to ninety threes and I don't ever want to go again, like kind of thing. But it's like. It's just, trust me, I'm not lying. Like, that's just been my experience. If other people have different experiences, that's that's great. But I'm telling you, the people in the industry I know, no, no, yeah, no. no, no. I can't, I like, the, the, the way people just faces gloss over by yeah. the time it's June, they're like, oh. Because you know what you're getting yourself into. The it's mountain, not, it's the not, it's never, in front of you. it's never manageable. You never do everything you need to do. You don't hit everything you need to hit. And, it, and it's troublesome. And, and as someone who just doesn't care for previewing games and doesn't care for playing games early because I just look at a game. Like, when I see a game and I'm like, oh, that looks good. Um, like Witcher 3 when I saw mm-hmm. Witcher 3 like years ago mm-hmm. and I was like oh that looks really fun I didn't I never looked at it again ever until we played it yeah. in like March yeah. was like, oh, I'm just gonna play it when it gets here yeah. you know same thing with like Batman like Arkham Knight like that game looks great I'm like I don't even know anything about it and it's yeah, kind of fun going into it like. I haven't played Arkham Knight because it's like that's where it especially gets in weird when you wait a long time to play a sequel it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, you already know looks, how it's gonna be. That looks different, though. It, Arkham Knight looks freaking awesome. Well, yeah. So do the last three <laughs> Batman games. I'm ready to play them. I'm not ready to fucking play ten minutes of them. Do we know if it's gonna be playable on the show floor? It'll be like yeah, it'll, it'll be, be it'll a week, week out. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. My biggest thing for playing the games, I don't like previewing games either, just because it's like it seems like a waste. But I just want to know if things feel right, and that's usually for like reboots or like when things come back. It's like I remember when the Tony Hawk um, HD whatever was announced. I was like, I need to play it, and then I just to know if it felt right, and it didn't. And I was like, well, fuck, that sucks, you know? Or like Smash Bros. It's like I want to play it. I want to know how the physics feel, mm-hmm. and like it's stuff like that that sure. I think really. Are, but then I'm done. It's like all right, Smash Bros. is, is the one exception though, because we exception. fucking played a shit ton. Yeah, of we just kept going back. That was fun. <laughs> but see, you're also it. It does depend on your your sort of uh, mentality toward it. Like I'm with I'm more with Colin, where I. I don't like the hype as much as the payoff of actually having the thing in my hands, like in my living room or in, you know, put it in, put it in, in terms of things that I like. I don't like seeing a thousand trailers for a movie. I would just rather be like, oh, the movie's coming out. Cool. Radio silence till I go and see it. Right. And so there's, there's just, it just depends on who you are. Like you have the kind of mindset where you're like, you want to know everything about everything right now. And you want to know it before anyone else does. And you just like that. That's that's like a hobby of yours. I don't care. I don't. If I have to wait in line for three hours, like right now, if someone said, "Hey, you could go see, uh, you could see a special sneak preview of Batman v Superman right now," but you have to wait eight hours in line, I'd be like, "Meh, no thanks." Entire movie? Yeah, I'd go. I wouldn't wait. I don't think I would. Why? Zach's not. If you're listening, the I'll wait. Entire movie? Yeah. If someone's like, you, you wouldn't wait eight hours. To eight see hours the entire in line. Movie. You have to stand in line for eight yeah. hours. Yeah. I don't think I would. Got that Vita? You're crazy. Got my. I just, I just don't think anything's that good. That like I yeah, would I'm need to see on that. Where it's like, like nothing's that good. Like Your time's important. I would rather go see it in a theater with with pot like relaxed and on my time schedule. You know, and same with games. Like you're, yeah. it's not yeah, a pleasant experience. It's not. And like just because I get to see it, like what's the point of experiencing when you're drained after like going through a freaking war? You know, which the I mean it is. I mean, in a line. <laughs> No, it's not that. I think it's apples and oranges, the Batman E3 comparison. Well, here's the thing. You're up till 4 o'clock in the morning writing, right? And then the next day you got to get up at 7 o'clock to keep writing. And there's never a sense of finish. You're never done. There's always something you could be doing. It's traumatizing. It's stupid. It's dumb. It is. It is a little traumatizing. And no one helps you prioritize ever because I'm not talking. I don't want to go out on a tangent. (laughs) But like. The methodology is always like get as much as you can done, like get cover as much as you possibly can, like talk about as much as everything you're supposed to talk about, and it's like it's just a it's a it's a stressful set of circumstances, and you're supposed to go sit and enjoy something that's that's let's not forget these are supposed to be enjoyed like these games, 
And it's just not a con- it's not an environment that I find conducive. So my brain immediately just turns off. I'm like, I don't want to fucking deal with that. I'd rather wait six months. And when the experience comes to me, I will enjoy it if it is enjoyable. E3 is awesome. Some of my best memories are in that war room, two in the morning, surrounded by people sleep deprived and stupid. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. Colin. I kind of got to poop, so I'm going to go do that now. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I never take the bathroom breaks. I kind of got to poop. Don't, make, don't get mad at me. I'm not mad at you. I'm, I'm proud that you finally joined the ranks. Colin. Yes. It's time for your topic, but first, I want to say thank you to everybody who supported us on Patreon.com slash funny in April. Thank you all for all of your support over there. You let us live this dream. You allow us to do all these stupid things we do. We thank you for that. Colin, what's your topic? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um... I want to talk about uh, instruments, musical instruments. Oh, uh, the old skin flute. So the, re- mm. the reason I bring this up, we are. You can play. Uh, you can play the skin flute in the New York Philharmonic. <laughs> Greg, you're so good at it. But uh, he's had offers. Huh? He's had offers. Yeah, he's had offers. Yeah. What does one play the skin flute with one's mouth or one's with one's? Fingers? I think it's a, it's a two handed and mouth. So like a clarinet. Two handed. That's like a flute. You're like this, man. <laughs> But it is more like a, a clarinet or an, an alto sax. Or right? an alto sax. Like, oboe. Or an oboe. Okay, so I wanted to ask you guys this but question. But not a bassoon. The, the reason I asked this question to, to you, to this group of people, is because even though we're all music fans, I'm the only one I think that plays any instruments, right? Like I you play the trumpet. When you were a young, a young man, right? Yes, I, don't, I haven't played an instrument. Could you, can I Other give you a trumpet can, right now? Could you play the trumpet? Yeah, I just, yes. I just drop that shit. Would you? Yeah, 100%. Okay, so this is. This, played for like 15 years, so. Yeah, okay, so this is a question even maybe less for you then. Sure. Um, so the reason I asked this question is because I grew up playing the drums for a long time and, um, I also played saxophone for a little while and, and, uh, piano for a little while. And then when I was older, I, like in high school, I picked up guitar and bass for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in college, I really played almost guitar and bass almost exclusively because I just couldn't have drums with me in my dorms and then in apartments and stuff like that. Um, and now these days I could still sit behind a drum kit and play great. Um, I mean, that's always what I'll consider myself, but I play bass probably most competently. Sure. Um, in terms of the string instruments. Um, so I was curious, like, if you guys could pick up any instrument um, and be totally proficient at it. Yeah. So, like, it's not a thing where you have to learn how to play it. You pick up your six-string bass, your five-string bass, and you just know how to play it, for instance. Yeah. Um, what instrument would you choose, and why would you choose it? Piano. Piano? Yeah, I love the piano. Mm. It's awesome. When you see somebody who can play the piano well, it's amazing. Especially when you like when we at that Patreon party we had a GDC right uh, when at the end there the guy just came in sat down and started playing the piano like fucking that's badass because you know what I mean like granted you have to tune a piano but like guitars you strum a few and then you start screwing around with it and you start giving away that you know what you're doing whereas I think it'd be such a cool party trick to go to parties or whatever be able to sit down and just be awesome at a piano Nazi chopsticks yeah. yeah yeah actually play something really good we've well, also got the opportunity to be like like a Jeff Goldblum or uh, oh. uh, uh, I think Bill Murray plays piano as well where they just like. You're just like you're at a party and you're just there and there's a piano and you're sitting. You start playing and start talking at the same time and it just is that sort of like that old school, very suave comedian mentality where you're like, you know, Zach Galifianakis used to do that too. Oh yeah, where he'd yeah, sit yeah. there and play and like make jokes about it. It's just very entertaining. The piano. Mm-hmm. I love piano music. Yeah, so it's just it's soothing, calms you down. I think it's very versatile too. That's the my favorite thing about it is that it you can you know there's the classical stuff, but like obviously there's a lot of just other types of genres you can play with piano music. And I feel like knowing how to play a piano very proficiently would then allow me to play other instruments by default. Because if you can understand wrapping your head around 
reading two sets of sheet music at the exact same time, doing with two different hands and stuff like that, which I'm assuming is how pianos work. Even the clefs, yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, you play bass clef, or treble clef with your right hand and bass clef with your left hand. Yeah, it's like Generally. if you can train yourself to do that, like I feel that like that gives you an understanding of music on a deeper level than most other things. So you'd be able to like jump onto other instruments. Yeah, piano is interesting because I, I took piano lessons for a year and I was I was okay, but yeah, me too. Um, but it was it was a challenging instrument to play because I, the first instrument I played in school was sax. And I liked it, but it was just I was like, this is not what I'm into. And I, I started playing drums by myself, and then I took lessons later and became quite proficient. I mean, that's like really the instrument I'm best at, but is both snare and like a whole kit. And um, that's just something I understand better than something else. And actually, piano is very closely associated with drums. It's a percussion instrument. So you can play it in, in, in a lot of different ways. I'm more excited about, yeah, like the proficiency of jumping from piano to synth or piano to mm. you know mm-hmm. like some sort of key accommaniment mm-hmm. or whatever because mm-hmm. um, pi- you, you see because what you're saying is you learn piano and then you're a hop skip and a jump away from the keytar yeah yeah oh, I which love, is uh, obviously dude, the end goal which is clearly awesome. the the zenith mm-hmm. of all great musical instruments that's what everybody wants but that's another reason like i would go with uh, piano is because that is kind of the basis for a lot of the midi instruments and stuff so like making like hip-hop beats and shit if you know how to play a piano it's like yeah really helpful well th- make no mistake like when you go to music school you have to learn how to play piano piano is like the the instrument that you do mu- any musical scoring from you don't sit down and, and like danny elfman doesn't sit down in front of his lead guitar and go okay i'm gonna write like the batman theme no you sit in front of piano and that's how that's sort of how everything starts when you're mm-hmm. writing music so like i think my, my my i think everyone has to learn piano like my buddy scott is a band director pretty sure like you have to you have to have a functional knowledge of that instrument yeah it's hard man I, I, in I took a couple months of it and just it my head wouldn't click with it i did trumpet for a long time and i almost went to high school at school of the arts for trumpet i'm happy that didn't happen because <laughs> i'm here now yeah it worked out <laughs> yeah um i played trumpet for a very long time uh mostly because i did i took about a, six months of piano and i can't it's very difficult for me to get both my hands working at the same time in that regard now when the skin flutes a different story yeah you, you just kind of feel that mm-hmm. you know every I mean? skin flute's different it is, but at the same time, you can get a general understanding of of the feel for it, yeah. and then you can you don't really even think your hands just do what your hands need to do. But for like I never I could never play drums. I could play I, no, I just couldn't. I couldn't. I can't get my hands working independently in order to actually do the beats. I just can't do it. And then once you put when you put feet into that, forget yeah, about it. It's not Lord. happening. So for me, trumpet was because you mostly just focus on these three fingers, and then you have this works well to tune your different valves. That's all you really have to worry so much about, which is which is same reason with the instrument that I would pick, which would be guitar. I would do a six string guitar, and here's why. Driving up to Tahoe recently, I was listening to a little band. I don't know if you guys have heard of these guys. They're called Guns N' Roses. Oh yeah, know them well. And you just hear that sound, right? Just slash when slash comes in, and it's good. And it is it it goes from oh hey I can play this instrument to this is a god on stage. Like this person, when he starts shredding, panties drop. Mm-hmm. And if there's any reason to start playing music or to be in uh, any real entertainment field, it's to make panties drop. True story. True yeah. story. Like what you're talking about is, yeah, you want to make panties drop at the party. You really do. Yeah. Theoretically speaking. No, I'm not saying, saying figuratively like, because then that would be just dangerous. People would be tripping on over the sure, panties. Sure, You can't have that. I want to, mm-hmm. yeah. You're, 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 the base of your argument is you want to be the cool guy at the party. 
I don't want to be the cool guy at the party. I'm saying if you said, hey, you could learn any instrument, I would be like, guitar has always been the instrument that, like, just think about it when you're in your car and that solo comes up and you just you start going like this, but you don't know what the hell you're doing. You're just you're driving with your knee. You Wheels just spinning just out of control. And you're moving these fingers, but you don't know if you're supposed to be moving those fingers or not. I just, I always thought guitar, because it's the power instrument. It is the instrument that is up front in the sound of any rock band or any alt band or any band that really uses guitar. So, yeah, I would always, I, I would just want that. I would want to be able to do that and sing at the same time because I yeah. always thought that was fascinating. I've always admired people that can play guitar eloquently and also like sing the melody because again, it's another thing I can't do. If you gave me good like rock band or not rock band, a guitar hero, and said, okay, while you're doing this, sing the lyrics, I just, I would no, I can't. My rock brain band has you do that. that There's modes where you play the guitar I and sing the song. Screw it, no, that gives me anxiety just thinking about it. This is such a cop out answer because I mean it's not technically an instrument, but my answer would be singing. If that was oh interesting okay because like man if you can fucking do that you can do anything your voice is and a, that's is, is an intro where the panties drop is the singing I like singing like I wish I could sing I wish that I could hit notes or just even like have that but I can't it's like I'm so limited in my range and it's like it's interesting because I have an okay talking voice mm-hmm. as you guys might know but uh, I can't sing you can fucking sing why you sing get, your goddamn you little get, heart why, out. why did you feel it necessary to get sexy because he wants to let yeah, you know that he know. knows he has I a good voice know. I'm listening to you. Listen no. to me. What? I'm talking to your mouth and your ear holes. Anyway, uh, I love singing, but I, I, my brother used to sing, so he was the one that got me into it. And he used to do like musicals and stuff. Matt oh, yeah, good singer? Yeah, he's better than me. You should, like really? Oh God, yeah, he's amazing. Like, so you're good. Like you're legitimately good. Uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I can sing. Yeah, I can. Um, it's not. I don't. I don't pretend to sing well, but I did musical theater. Give me some for, stuff. Give me some stuff. Uh, I'm sailing away. I'm sailing away. Okay, you want me to sing Sticks? That's what you want? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the band that is constantly I'm in the upper octave? Anyway. Um, no, I did musical theater for four years in, college, in high school and then was also like, I mean, you just, you're around it. I was in marching band, so you just are around people that can sing and bah, bah, bah. you start doing it and that's what it is. It's hard. You have to get, you have to, some people just don't have the ear for it and that's where it becomes difficult because I don't think that there are a lot of things that you can teach someone how to do. And I think with – I'm a firm believer that with hard work and with time and consistency and, like, you put the effort in, you can see great results. But some people physically just can't hear the tone, the, the pitch. They can't get the pitch so they're always singing off tune or they're just – they don't have the, yeah. the capabilities of singing higher octaves, things like that. That's my thing is it, I hear it. I know that I'm doing right. it wrong. It's just I can't do it. That's hard. And you have to train Kevin, on the that. other hand, Kevin has a hearing problem. That motherfucker. Holy shit. Have you heard him say? You guys have heard him sing. Yeah. All right. It drives me nuts. And at this point, I just give him a look. Because now that I'm around him freaking Mm -hmm. 24 hours a day, before it used to just be like 15 hours a day. Yeah, now you're around him But now it's just fucking constantly. But he'll just sit there and he'll start humming. And it's like, you know, one of you guys, usually one of you two, will just be fucking have some song stuck in your head for the day. So you just fucking keep singing it over and over. What were you singing earlier today? Uh, Whatever Colin was listening to this morning. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Now I have sticks in my head, so sorry. Can't help you out. All right. Whatever it is, there's something. And then Kevin will just be sitting there and just start humming and just go. And it's like, what is that? Right. It's like, oh, it's the Michael Jackson song. It's like, that's no Michael Jackson song. What the hell is that? It's like, it's Thriller. That's not Thriller. It's like, you're just making fucking noises. (laughs) Right. Oh, just, it bothers me so much. Yeah, some people just, they don't have, like, you have, you could sing. You can sing. I did some musical stuff. So if you... 
I don't know how far deep into it you've gotten, but if you worked with a vocal coach who taught you how to breathe correctly and where where the the air was supposed to come from and how to support, you could be a singer. Like yeah. You could, yeah, easily. I... You have good pitch. And that's really the hardest thing. You want an E? E. That's not how that works. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's, a, that's how a, about a minor. But what's, a. but what's crazy is there are people. There are people that would have like I guarantee there are people watching this right now that are like that's not an ESB flat. Like yeah. they would tell you what note you just sang. I'm not that. Like a swag man. But there are people that have something that's called perfect pitch, which is it's pitch perfect. That's where that term comes from, yes. which is um, well, they call it perfect pitch, and you I'm, have you have I'm perfect. Just, but in, a, in other words, like if you play a note on piano, they'll go, "That's an A flat," mm-hmm. or "That's a E," whatever. I I can't do that. Like I always start songs, and then they'll play the real song. I'm like, "Oh, that's the wrong key. Let's bring it back down over here." Right? Or usually, it's I sing a lot lower than possible. But it's fun singing. Being able to sing is fun, if for no other reason than it is probably the number one most practical uh, instrument to be able to have at your disposal at, during parties. Oh, not during parties, but during like if you're going like karaoke singing, for instance. Oh, sure. That's a blast. When people don't know you can sing and you start singing something and you're like, of course, you could always just do what I do and default to uh, gin and juice. Yeah. That's usually easier. my go-to. You don't have to sing that. You just kind of pop it. Oh. Gotta pop it. Pop it. See, but that's something that's interesting to me, too, though. It's like when you bring rap into it, rap is not as easy as I think people think it is. They're like, oh, you're just talking fast. And it's like, no, you really got to kind of understand the rhythm and like hit it on the right notes and understand the, the counts and all that stuff. And like the theory behind how it works because as we've seen before when we've worked with people like trying to get them to rap it's like man how do you not hear this right now is the way Mm. i feel but then it's like Mm. oh maybe it's just like it's this in the same way that i just can't physically sing they can't physically hear it in the right way to understand well you're dealing with the the same general principles right you're dealing with rhythm and you're dealing with you also by the way can rap off key a lot of people don't realize that but when you rap you are rapping in a specific key to a specific song that's in that key like if you start rapping a little bit lower, or and you know you go minor, you go sharp, it's gonna sound really weird. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you're dealing with rhythm and you're dealing with performance as well, and that's the other thing that people don't realize with singing is that you have there is a certain amount of, uh, you have to enunciate, you have to support, you have to. There's all there's a it's I mean it's an instrument. It, you are learning piano, but you are just it. The instrument is just formed inside of your body, like all good things. Yeah. Yeah. That's gross. That part's gross. Yeah. I, I don't know. To me, I mean, I. The only thing I want to say is that, like, to me, the best instrument is, is drums, and and I I that's because I grew up playing them, and that that I could still, even though I don't have like my kit here, it's still in New York. Uh, mm-hmm. I can just sit behind a drum kit and play it, and and I I really don't like lose a beat. As well, um, I have. So like a, what is what draws you to drums? I don't know. I you think... say it's the best instrument. All of ours were ones we'd want to share with people. Drums aren't. Yeah, like it was. Like, a... I have no interest in hearing you drum. No offense. No, I'm not offended by that at all. Um, my friend Christian used to make fun of me. We, we were in a band together in, in high school and college. Um, and uh, we white side of the table, exactly. No paper jam. And uh, he used to sit. He used to big kid around. He's like, "There's musicians and then there's drummers," because a lot of people like don't think of drums even as an instrument. There's an argument to be made because you're not making notes necessarily with a drum. That that it's basically not an instrument in the traditional sense. But yeah, um, it's the backbone of every song and. You know when a drummer is bad. Like, listen to the White Stripes for five seconds. It's awful. Like the like the like. I don't care how good like the guitar <laughs> and the vocals are in that. Like Meg White sucks at drums. <laughs> and like it, and it, like and it like detracts from it. And it's famous. Like it's everyone knows that. Shots you know, like fired. like she's awful. Colin, you better watch your back, brother. What's he doing? 
I think he's talking shit. <laughs> what when, happens when you talk like, shit? Like shot. No, like, th- but this is a video. Hey, Tim. How you doing? I'm good, Nick. But Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller are talking shit again. What? Don't they know what happens when they talk shit? Perhaps we should remind them. You talk shit, what? You get shot, yeah. You talk shit, what? You get shot, yeah. You talk shit, what? You get shot, yeah. If you out here talking shit, then you know you bout to get shot. Greg Miller needs to pay for two, wherever he go. And it ain't cause he's team fat, nah. It's for his ego. Calling for press, can I get a PlayStation veto? He's super frustrating like a hard to find amiibo. Tim, what's next? That's all we wrote, Nick. That's it? Yeah. Okay. That's fun. I don't I don't like usually going down that path, <laughs> no, but like that Jack, what, what's his name? Um Jack White. Jack White. Amazing musician. <laughs> and and like an amazing singer. And then it's just like ding 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 Like and it's like it's like I, give, give that I, to like a competent drummer and like you can, and make that song more dynamic. That's their no, it was that thing because though. she couldn't play and she never got any better and it was a problem. <laughs> right. And Jack White on the other hand, Jack White's yeah. an, like a, a, a totally impressive guitar player and singer and songwriter. So like you, you, there was a there was a dissonance that was that's the band that always comes to mind where I'm like, there's a dissonance between the skill of the drummer and the skill of everything else going on in the song, and it ruins the song for me mm. because drumming who's, is. Who do you think the best drummer is? We've had this conversation before. The who's your best favorite? Drummer? Who's your favorite Neil drummer? Pert. My favorite drummer is Chad Sexton from Three Eleven, but the. Yeah, like Neil Peart's like one of the great drummers. I think that probably three eleven. Oh, yeah, three eleven. Three eleven has a very technical sound too. Yeah, no, three eleven's drums are insane. The, but yeah. um, like that's almost an undeniable fact about three eleven. Whether or not you like them or not, like Chad Sexton writes most of their songs. He's the drummer and writes most of their songs, mm-hmm. which tells you everything you need to know about mm-hmm. it. Like he'll write the song on guitar. So he's just a musician. Um, but my, I think the most technically sound drummer and like the drummer I like listening to really the most is Stuart Copeland from the Police. He's fucking insane. Uh-huh. Um, interesting. But. You know, I was drawn to drums as a very young kid because I don't, you know, I, I grew up in a household that was very musical. My parents were very into music. My, you know, my sister plays, you know, instruments and stuff. So, or she played, you know, the flute and all these kinds of things. So, like, really random instruments. The, the real okay, flute. Okay, it's his sister for Christ's sake. The real flute. What? We all said we're experts in the skin flute. We can't make one fucking look at the camera. I'll do what I want. This but, is the uh, same sister that called us not only an hour ago to congratulate us on everything looking good. I want you to know that. So how bad do you feel now, Miller? How You're the dirtiest one of the that? group. I don't need to hear. I don't need anything from you, you scumbag. Oh, Jesus Christ! So I am the dirtiest the, one. The one, the only, the one thing I wanted to say was that I, I was drawn to drums, and then I developed really bad habits playing drums early, and mm. I played open handed and stuff like that, which is fucking stupid. And you, like you, like where you don't cross your arms, like it's just you play like with a high. So if you're playing. So if you're playing like you know, uh, you're playing a right-handed kit with your hi hat next to your snare, and then your snare, and your I've never, you know, I've never seen people play open. Oh, there's before. some people that still play like that in bands and stuff, really? but I, I, it doesn't make any sense. It's just technically on sound. So like when yeah, I started no. playing, really playing around in fourth and fifth grade with drums, I'd play you know like dot 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 you know like with oh my, my hands like that backward. And and really, I should have been playing a left-handed kit, but I'm dominant. Like I use both of my. I'm pretty ambidextrous. But I probably should have been playing left-handed all along. But by the time I took lessons, so like Muse's drummer, for instance, is a lefty, so his hi hat's here and his snare is here, and he, and he would and he would cross over like that. Mm. But when I started taking lessons, like a couple years later, I broke like my teacher like broke me of those habits immediately. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, you could hold your stick like kind of sideways, like they you would play the a snare, you can, yeah. But I, yeah. I, I don't. That doesn't make any sense to me either. So no, you, it, see, a lot, I don't think a lot of rock people do that though. No, all, I can't like, think all of jazz drummers play like that. Yeah, but, that's more of a jazz. Because, it's more because you're like measuring on the like your stick on the. 
snare a lot more with like ghost notes and stuff. You just mm-hmm. need to have like a, a different grip. But like, so I started playing like that. But I guess I'm saying that because, and then I started playing my rudiments, and I'm really pretty good at playing snare too. Just like you know, marching. Give me a paradiddle right now. A paradiddle? You want me? I'll give you. Actually, well, I was kidding out more about this with uh, Ramon. No, with Christian, the same guy. Where I was like, I have to look. He's like, he found my old drum pad. Mm-hmm. That I left like at his house. Did you have one of the octagonal drum pads that you flip over? It was one surface, and then the other surface you flip it over. It's like harder. Yeah, like one side was like, like one was it was hard rubber, was and a, the other one was like really soft. Rubber. Yeah, one was like a Remo like white head that you could like yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah, bounce, that and then one. the other one was like a soft like black rubber like this. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. like that was flimsy. And I was like, he was like, do you? He's like, start working on your rudiments. And I'm like, I don't remember any of my rudiments. Yeah, powder was like. Right. It's it's so yeah, like that was, like, but it. it's like it's it's trans like paradiddle. I think it's that. Yeah. What is what is the one where it's it's I don't remember. I haven't done any of my rudiments since like ninth grade. Uh, there are like, people that are like, out there that are drumming that are like Sha! Well, I just I mean it wasn't like the, the like your flamacue and shit like that. I'm like whatever. I took those lessons and I did all those things, but then I I really got into playing my kit and took lessons on my kit. And I yeah. I, I, t- I think I've told a story about how my drum teacher in high school when I started playing when I started taking kit lessons was obsessed with Billy Joel, which is no surprise. So he because he and, and Billy Joel's <laughs> not hard to play on drums. It's just right. very it's a it's a metronome way of playing drums. You know like. It just doesn't What's get the so. It's just it's a fun way to just learn rhythm, which a lot mm-hmm. of people don't have. A lot of drummers have a hard time playing live. For instance, they play everything fast, which is why when you see a lot of live shows, everything's played like super fast. Like Green Day, for instance. Mm-hmm. Trey Cool was like one of my heroes. I actually got to meet him and talk to him when it was awesome when I was an adult. And but like he plays fast, yeah. You know, and that's just because you're excited or whatever. So like playing slow, soft, easy shit is a good way to learn rhythm yeah. and like to not jump ahead. Um, but. I just brought that up because when I was in high school, my friends, you know, play guitar and bass. And I'm like, I want to learn how to play guitar and bass. And I started teaching myself how to play. And I, I play bass pretty, pretty proficient. Like, not, not like Ramon plays bass, but I can play it. And guitar, I'm like, okay with. There's picture, there's videos of Greg and I playing, like singing songs right. where I'm playing guitar. But I taught myself terrible habits mm. that I can never break now. Like, I started playing guitar when I was 14 and I, I'm 30 now. And I, I don't use my middle finger on the fretboard. That's and weird. that's like, and that's. How do you do that? <laughs> How do you do these? Because w- the the thing I learned, like I was learning you how to play bar, to I was learning how to play bar chords uh, first. So just this. So I I'd, I'd play three eleven, and if you're playing, you know, you hold, you know, down, you know, it's just holding the the t- you know the low E string down at the three, and then holding the other two down with you know my ring finger, even though that's not the way you're supposed to play it, two apart. So it's like, and then I just learned how to play my bar chords like that, and I cannot use my middle finger. And then that transferred over to bass. Yeah. And that's a really bad instrument to not use your middle finger on because if you want to have, like, any proficiency at all playing anything other than, like, you know, Fallout Boy or something like that, which is, like, just easy. Like, that's, like, that's easy to play. You can use one finger to play that. But if you want to – so I say that just because if you want to learn how to play those instruments or you want to learn how to play drums, like, I even developed bad habits on drums that were broken because I was young and I was a novice still, mm-hmm. take – lessons oh yeah like that's the one thing i tell people is we'll find a good instructor too yeah t- but but there are like i always i'm always fascinated in 311 which people give shit obviously too but they're all great musicians and they all still take lessons like they and they talk about it all the time about how like they'll the guy, you know they've been playing instruments for 30 years and they still take bass lessons and guitar lessons and stuff to learn new things to learn new techniques to solidify things that they're not good at to work mm-hmm. on their finger movement or whatever it is to work on your rudiments or your rolls or anything like that if you're playing drums so I always encourage people, like, regardless of the instrument you're into, like, don't teach yourself how to play. It's not a good idea. More often than not, like, Ramon taught himself how to play guitar, but Ramon's, like, kind of, like, 
a phenom. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a savant in instruments right, where he can pick up a banjo and play it. He can pick up you know, a bass and a guitar and play it. He can play a stand-up bass. He can play... And he never taught any lessons ever. Mm. You know? So and he's, like and he's also way better than almost anyone I've ever met. Well, but I mean... you're, you're but gonna, that's a one in a million kind of... Your thing. level of motivation dictates how good you're going to get at anything, right? It yep. doesn't matter. I, I, case in point, I took lessons at trumpet. I hated my instructor. So that actually drove me to not progress. Because I was like, I don't want to practice. Screw this guy. And so I taught... I learned everything I needed to learn just by being in band class and having the instructor do like the one, like not a one-on-one instruction, but just basically like uh, telling us as we would go. Cause you know, you're in band class, like fifth grade, there's like five people in band class. And so you're basically getting private lessons, but yeah, I mean the people that, that I know that still play today and, and excelled at the, at the instrument were the guys that like, they picked it up, they decided they love it, immediately got into with a good instructor who could encourage them the right way. Cause a lot of these, a lot of these instructors too are just like guys that, you know, they didn't really make it as a musician and they kind of want to just fucking beat you down, right? And they're like, they're, it's like tough love. But I'm like, but dude, I'm in seventh grade. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to think or what if I even want to do this for the rest of my life. Can't you be like nice to me and like be encouraging and like understanding? Um, but yeah, so I had, a, I had a bad instructor. I ended up not taking lessons. I, I did it for like six months and I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And it really put me off from even considering that as a career. Plus, I kind of knew I never just, I never had it. Yeah, I got, I mean, I got stubborn with drums too, where like I felt like I was a, a very good drummer by the time I was in high school, like mid to late in high school, where I was like, I don't want to take lessons anymore either. Mm. And I got better on my own, but I wish that I stuck with lessons because I was actually learning things. Like, because my one, the one thing that no matter how good I am at, at playing drums is, is that I struggle a lot with double bass and with a double bass pedal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, everyone does though. Well, no, <laughs> but, but I shouldn't because I have great foot movement with my hi hat. So if you're playing like the ride cymbal, over here, you don't have to worry about the hi-hat, but you should still keep it probably going for rhythm, and that's not a problem for me. And I'm playing my bass independently. Mm. Double bass should actually be easier to play than that because it's really just alternating. But and I can play, I can play a double bass probably at like like sixty fourth notes, maybe. Jesus, like like for a few seconds. Yeah, you I know? was like no. But like by the time you're getting into like one hundred twenty eighth notes and like, are you, you guys know, like, familiar with? Think what about like about? one, like Metallica's one, like like that's fucking awesome. And like he's rolling on the bass. No, thanks. it's not. It's not only like playing. Like he's rolling, you know. Yeah, and it's too much. It's. I was insane. like, fuck. Like if I just stuck with it, I would have been technically better. Where I can, I can never play a Metallica song, you know. So I play like more hard and alt rock or whatever. So I just want to encourage people out there, like don't get discouraged. Like play your instruments and really take lessons and take them seriously. And when you, be- and if you're 16 like I was, and you're like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be the next fucking, you know, Neil Peart. I don't need any more lessons. I'm. Like you always can learn something, mm-hmm. and I and I ended up metering out at something above average because, you know, I can sit behind a drum set and still play it today. But I really wish that I I took it more seriously. So I just want to encourage. Oh, it's true. Like because I love music and I listen to it every day, and I've always loved to play the drums, and I always fuck around with the bass and guitar and, and become good at it. But man, it, it was like you were saying, like when you're a kid, you don't know any better, or you don't no. know. But like, music's so important, and 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 it's good to take it seriously and and to learn from people that can teach you. And you never you're never too good to learn. And I was stu- I got I became stubborn playing drums to where i be you know i was i was good but i could have been i could have been great i could have been awesome and yeah. I, it was all because and there's like huge deficiencies in my drum game because of it you know like well, where, see, I made, yeah i'm sorry continue no so i just i know how i i just want to talk to people out there that are taking it you know you know maybe you don't have the right teacher or anything anything like that but shake those bad habits because mm-hmm. i wish i just took people's advice when i was in college and i like just take guitar lessons and and now mm-hmm. i will never be able to play the guitar with my middle finger you know like and i can play things fine and i have over. i have good movement yeah but you have to you do have to start over you yeah. have to start yeah, over you do and like after 15 years of playing the guitar half right 
You can't. That's the it's just problem, that you can't yeah. teach an old dog new tricks. With bass, it's a little different. I play bass with a pick, and I play a four-string bass, so it's a little more manageable. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I see someone like Ramon work a bass, and it's like, I'll never, ever, ever, ever play that well, you know? Hearing him play like that, hyster- you know, that bass line from Muse's Hysteria that we were talking about. Like, he just, like, plays that without even, like, thinking about it. I was and it's like, I have to, like, really, I have to, like, really think to play because I didn't have, I don't have that, that, that novice approach that you needed. I, I just jumped in and, and looked up tablature, which is probably the worst thing that ever happened to any musician. And, you know, tab reading tabs is fun and it's easy, but it, it you need to read music and you need to like learn how to play the instruments properly. If tab wasn't available for me playing on guitar and bass, and for people that don't know tab, do you guys know what tab is? Nope. Tab is a way to play guitar and bass where instead of reading the music, because I could read music as a drummer. Drum music is... You know, there's a, there's a line for snare and a line for bass, and it, it's but it's it's manageable, and I don't mm. remember how to read it anymore. But that, that's how I learned how to play with with t- guitar and bass. You can play tab, which is there's it's it's ASCII. It's six strings written with dashes, and then it just has numbers on it. And so it'll be like low E string one 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 two 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 one one one, and all that means is that you hold the first fret, and that's how you play one one. But like. That teaches you bad habits because then you're like, I can play anything. And then you just start looking up things and you, your finger movement's all fucked up. And you're just yeah. trying to figure out how to play things that you're not supposed to play in that sense. And, and then it becomes impossible to sight read, too. Like, so you yeah. like, you get, when you get a real musical sheet in front of you that should look like chaos, you can't, your brain can't decipher it because you just get used to seeing it the other way. Yeah. So I wish that I was a little more patient and a little more procedural in the way I learned those instruments because I can play guitar and we can fuck around. I can play John Mayer with Greg and it's fun, or I can play filter with Greg and it's fun, but. I'm not holding it right. When I looked up how to play filter, I'm playing it totally different than they play it. Like yeah. the way they hold their finger. Yeah. I watch it. I watch a lesson of that, see, of that song given by the guy who wrote and plays the song on that band in that band, and he's holding everything totally different than I am. And I'm like, I would. I don't know how to even play it like that. You know, like, that's. But that's another reason why, like, you never that these guys, these top pros, never stop taking lessons too, is because you find someone you trust. It's not about them necessarily teaching you something you don't know. It's about them checking back in with you, similar to to how people do when they work out. And having a trainer go, hey, you're developing this really weird habit that you should stop doing right now. Or like, hey, try it this way. Or like, you know, especially with, with vocal coaches, they check in with you and they make sure that you're 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 not straining your vocal cords because you can develop nodes uh, that you have to then have. Like uh, famously, Adele had to have surgery because she was – her the way she sings, just your vocal cords rub together and they get little calluses yeah, on it. Pivotal plot point in Pitch Perfect 1. Yep. There you go. Who can forget? There you go. That was it. Oh, I remember she said, oh, I can sing bass. I'm like, that's really weird. That was the, oh, that was the missing key. That's yeah, all I needed. That's how yeah, I took p- piano lessons until Prince of Persia Sands of Time came out on PS2. And I was but like, I'm not going back. But that <laughs> means you probably didn't also love music. You know no, I, mean? I did it as like a promise to myself when a friend died. And so then like I did it for a while and then it was just like... I mean, I don't yeah, love music. It's good enough. Yeah, but I mean, that, if, exactly. And if it does, that's the thing I'm trying to say. If it doesn't speak to you, then don't don't play. Yeah, don't but, do if you, it. but if you want to become better and you really care about it, like do it the right way. Because I, I guess that's why I was curious about. It. Like, so we have vocals, we have piano and skin flute. If I remember correctly, yeah, I think that's right. That was Greg. But like we, that was Nick. You know, I remember it was Greg's. But it's funny is that the instrument that I would really want to take lessons with the most is drums, and I play drums. Yeah. But I, like, I, 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 I want to, I want to almost like I played drums since I was a little kid, and I'm good at them. Yeah. But I want to become better. I want to, I want, like, I want to get over that, that, you know, I want to be able to sit down and play one on, by Metallica, and like really fucking play uh, yeah. that machine gun fucking bass drum. You know what I mean? If we're talking <clears throat> lessons, I would, ta- I would probably oh, take so vocal awesome. lessons. Then I don't have any desire to go back to trumpet, largely because you just like, 
you, it's hard. It's so fucking hard to practice that in a big city where you're surrounded by people. Sure. You'd have to get you'd have to get a rehearsal space. But think about every time Mama Number Five came on, you'd fucking kill it. Did you listen to a lot of ska when you were kid? I didn't like. I didn't listen to a ton of ska. Like I was in high school when the ska movement hit. The not Boss Tones. Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Yeah, but they were. I guess they were ska. No, who's the no? They Skeletons. Real big fish. Yeah, I, I went through that whole movement. I was playing trumpet back then. I wasn't a huge fan of that. I loved guys like Arturo Sandoval. I loved guys like Perez Prado. Guys that just like treated that instrument like it was a like a fucking precision weapon. You know, that could just and I loved any band that the trumpet was the the uh, the lead instrument in. And so you go back and listen. You listen to like Arturo Sandoval, like Amis Abuelos, or any of those songs that he played. And you're just like, this guy's singing through this. And then he's screaming through it. And it's amazing, <laughs> like, the power that you can get. Because you just can't get that same power and that sound. And then I don't want to start this debate. Um, and I don't want people to think that I'm in any way, shape, or form talking shit about woodwinds. But they're the inferior instrument, 100%. Brass oh, is, all, is the way oh, to go. Oh, shit, shots 100%. fired. 100%. Yeah. You don't 100%. want to talk. Don't say that to Curran. Curran, the old flute player. I think I've told the story before of him and the... Condensed version of this story. Can he beat the hell out of somebody beat with a flute? Beat the shit out of someone with a flute, a trombone player. So I'll mm. tell you one thing right now. In the history of marching band, no flu- flautist has ever beat someone who plays the trumpet. Ever. Oh, the fact, trumpet doesn't no. work that the trombone, trumpet's perhaps. great. I'm, I'm always fascinated by the, the trombone and the trumpet always fascinated me because trombone in, in its own way where you the note was in the art of where it was held right mm-hmm. correct but trumpet always really fascinated me because there's really only four things you can do and it's the per- so it's like the open note and then the three buttons and then the permutation of all of it mm-hmm. and that's like that was what was so i was like damn like i would fuck around with my french trumpet i'd be like this is such a dynamic instrument for something that looks so simple easy yeah. you know like you i look at it and i'm like yeah there can't be anything hard about playing this and then i'd play and and i'd be like I just held one button down. And it's like you're not breathing right through it, you know. And then you yeah. like, like, and it's like it's it it's it's kind of like woodwind is hard too, but but brass instruments they're all hard. Like I couldn't play any of those things at all. I remember fucking around my sister's flute and being like, I I have no idea how the fuck you even play this thing, you know? Like like yeah. It, yeah, blowing that, across that shit, I could never do it. My friends would give me their flutes, and I to this day have never successfully hit a note on a flute. It's it really. I mean, it is because you have to develop those muscles in your in your mouth and in your lips. Like he just I, that sounds dirty, but you have to. Yeah. When you first start playing trumpet, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, to be fair, they couldn't play but trumpet getting, either. Getting, that buzz. Yeah, like getting the buzz and getting the the air through your lips to the point where if it's just a little degree up or a little degree down, you're getting different octaves and you're getting different notes. It's crazy. It's 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 awesome though. But it's like anything else. You get the feel for it. You, you practice it over years. And I, I could pick it up right now. It wouldn't be nearly as good as I used to be, but I wasn't that great anyway. But I could play some of the stuff. And that's the other thing too is that muscle memory of you're talking about the fingers. I could probably, without thinking, if I thought about it, I wouldn't be able to do it. But if I put the trumpet to my lips and started playing, I bet I could play the, like some of the marches I used to play back in March or some of the field shows I used to play mm. easily because you play it so many fucking times. Yeah, I got Ukrainian bell carol and lock. That bang, 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 bang. Yeah, well, you're a psychopath. Yeah. Staying so, outside uh, girls' houses, uh-huh. playing that one part over and over again. <laughs> you creep around. Magic. So take lessons and learn from people that know more than you, and you will be better for, it. for it. Unless you are Ramon and you just are a savant. Fucking Ramon. It's true. Remember when we were we were at that house in Kentucky? And there was like a banjo there. You start playing it. I'm like, yeah. you he's like, I'm like, you ever played the banjo before? He's like, no. It's, it's just a backwater guitar. Well, that, in, like, in, that, in that regard, like I can I can kind of get that because if I were to pick up uh, like a flugelhorn, any I could pick up probably any of the brass instruments like a and sort of play it. 
Uh, yeah, I could, play, I could pick up a baritone. Oh, baritone's easy because baritone is a uh, it's trumpet. It's just a uh, different way. <laughs> no, I'm thinking. Oh, I'm thinking of the marching baritone, which is like it's giant trumpet. Um, which one's the baritone? Oh, baritone is this. The, yeah, yeah. Oh, I used to play baritone. Like you could play it. The only hard part about that was you have to read treble. So I'd have to have all my. Oh yeah. I'd have to have all of my music um, denoted down or whatever. I would that. have to transcribe it yeah. up to up to. Uh, I'm sorry. You have to read bass clef. I would, I would transpose it up to treble clef because I could never figure that out. I just never put the time in. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck. I wish I took drums earlier though. The only reason I played saxophone at all was because my friend Chris was playing sax. His name was Chris Hansen. And he was. And you knew Chris Hansen yeah, back in the day. Chris Hansen. Oh. But he played sax, and so Same. I played sax. I'm like, I should have taken snare from this early age because I played sax for like half a year, and I'm like, I don't want to fucking play this thing. Yeah, that's a hard. I played, I, yeah, I played alto sax back in school band, junior high band. Sax. I always, I was. I'm glad I never played sax just because it, I, I did so much marching band that like the trumpet, one trumpet can stand out in a marching band. Way more than any woodwind instrument can because they just cannot produce the same volume of sound mm-hmm. that a brass instrument can produce, especially a brass instrument that that uh, the frequency comes out at that high of a, of a level. So I'm glad I played trumpet. I love trumpet. And in a marching band, trumpet is like the lead instrument, so it was amazing. Nice. Nick. Yo. It's time for your topic. But before we jump into that, it's time to thank all the May Patreon subscribers. Thank you all for your support and your thank lovely, you. lovely faces. Thank you so much. And all the interaction on Patreon.com. Nick, what's your topic? I have to go to the bathroom. Sorry. I love you so much. It's fun. I'll be right back. So, Nick, we've thanked them now. What's your topic? My topic um, has something to do with with uh, where we just came back from. Momocon. Momocon. Had peach. A great, had a great time. Con. It is the Peach Con. It's mm-hmm. the con for uh, all the peach growers of Atlanta. Thankfully, <laughs> they kind of get to be a part of that show. No, um, these conventions always fascinate me because um, people go for a different, a lot of different reasons. But I think the number one reason they go is because, is for camaraderie, right? They get to be around like-minded uh, friends. Uh, in, in our case, uh, our community gets to sort of meet each other in person for the first time sometimes. Um, and I love hearing the fact that people uh, you know, come together and go, I've, n- I've never actually met this person before. We talked on the forums um, or on the Facebook page or via Twitter and now we're finally meeting each other. Of course, we're hitting it off because everyone Best friends. likes the same thing. So, yeah, they're going to be really good friends. Um, but I find it fascinating because I never th- – these conventions didn't exist when I was young. When you were young. Um, so I often wonder if I were that age and I were so inclined to go, uh, would I be – would I A, go and B, would I be a cosplayer if I oh. did go? And if I were a cosplayer – and this is the topic. Sorry for the long walk. <laughs> I was going to say, there's like a bunch of subcategories in this right. topic. What would I go as? Mm. So what are you guys' thoughts, A, on, a on cosplaying in general? Because it's kind, of, it's kind of a crazy thing to see. You see it in pictures, but when you're walking around and you see that, the sheer amount of energy and creativity that goes into these cosplay, these costumes, how does that sit with you? Do you think it's absurd? Is it cool? Is it fun? And lastly, what would you go as if you were, if you were, if we had, if we, if the kind of funny crew had to cosplay? With or without Portillo. So wait, are we kids now or adults, or is this all different questions? I, what, as an adult, how do you view cosplay? And if you were, if you had to dress up, gun to the head, what would you go as? I love cosplay. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. The amount of detail people put into it blow me. My favorite holiday, Halloween. Best holiday yeah, of all time. Love I love, love Halloween. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like, I was always the kid who my mom made me costumes and, like, worked at, at her sewing machine, made me all these different Ghostbuster suits, and then she'd give them to me, and I would immediately critique something that's not movie accurate. You know what I mean? Get her really pissed off at me. God, which was, she must have hated she you. She fucking despised me, and it's a reason we don't <laughs> speak anymore. But 
as I grew older, right? And I, I made my, no, I love my mom. She talks to me all the time. Sadly, no, I'm kidding, mom. No, as Jesus, we, come on, have some fun. It's the game over, Greggy Show. Watch, Kyle, we're doing you it. Came out of her <laughs> vagina for Christ's sake. Then you, then you do it. See, now I'm gonna do it to you. Can I itch my eye? I've been trying to try it for 15 seconds. <laughs> it's got itchy eye for Christ. So when sake. I got my Ghostbusters costume, started actually making my movie accurate one. I made sure I got the patches from the right people, the mm-hmm. right flight suit, made a few changes. So when I see somebody there and their proton pack lights up and does all this amazing shit, that's when I'm like, fuck, that's awesome. And then you start talking about like the ones that aren't even easy to do, right? Like mine's yeah. pretty, Ghostbusters is easy to do. Now you can buy everything from Think Geek if you want, really, or whatever. Uh, Maddie Toys, Maddie Collector. Um, but yeah you see these people who first off are putting together amazing costumes have amazing physiques do all this like i'm blown away every time mm-hmm. i see cosplay which is why as an adult i don't think i'll ever do cosplay because i don't have a body for any of the characters yeah, i you love do. you can no, go, I go yeah i mean i, I mean, you can always default to ghost well yeah no i already do they the weren't ghostbuster exactly shtick. jacked i already do the ghostbuster shtick. Sure. that's one thing but that's even that that's like played out like you know what i mean mm-hmm. like you see these people out there like there was a great superman walking around the con that was amazing right yeah and then of course there's a million attractive women dressed as street fighter characters who are like basically in their bikinis basically naked like, yeah. holy crap like good good on you jessica nigiri everyone every photo she posts of anything Negri. you know what i mean nigiri really nigiri sorry jessica i've never said your last name correctly it's one of those things where you've seen it for so long and i just read it i'm always like, like nigiri like sushi right so, yeah. true story and this is a sort of non-sequitur during when i was reading harry potter yeah i thought it was cyrus black uh, until someone said no it's serious like, yeah like the the, the star. star sure and i was Dog like star. like that makes sense Oh, yeah. Right now, the one thing I've always thought of is if I ever broke down and quit Team Fat and was going to get in shape and was going to work out and was so going to do... what you're doing right now. Yeah, no? so when do I work out? When do I work out? You quit, you, quit, you quit Team Fat a, a long time ago. Though. If I was to get into shape and I get it all together, I think I could make a really good-looking uh, Kingdom Come Superman. Because mm-hmm. like Alex Ross Superman is not like cut abs you know he's what i mean big. He's yeah he's big bulky. he's stocky he's got that yeah. thing and like if you, and i already have the graying going mm-hmm. on too if mm-hmm. i just i would just have to gray this out a little bit more you could get big yeah i could you've got the structure and the i could the, also learn to play piano but then like, in uh, both <laughs> situations video games came along and i'm like well fuck this that's true that's true i'm just saying if you were you so inclined you have the physique where you would get you you could probably get pretty i would get as you say, if you wanted yacked. to work with my trainer courtney uh, who is in New Zealand right now? Currently checks in with me once every month. Do you, goes, do you work out in front of him on Skype? No, but he goes. <laughs> what, what happens is this: he's very, very kind. And he checks in with me to make sure that I'm doing the exercises. And I always, um, I don't lie to him, but I don't 100 percent tell him the truth because I'm, I'm a little bit lazy. Does he watch the show? Yeah, he watches. The okay, show. and he knows I'm lying to him because he can clearly see that it, <laughs> that I'm not getting jacked out of my mind. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he he checks in with me and does that. He, I mean, I can refer him to you if you want. If you no, want to I don't want to do this. He'll it's give too you much a good work workout for, sure. for your triceps and chest. A little bit of back. He'll, he'll work you full body. He gives him the full body workouts. Okay. Great workouts. I mean, you feel sure. good. It, it releases the endorphins. What yeah, the hell are we like talking about? You seem like you feel great all the time. I felt like shit yesterday. Yeah, all the time. Uh, cosplay. And then a shout out before I pass the baton to anybody else. At Momocon, there was an awesome Shovel Knight walking around. Yes. Awesome was Shovel awesome. Knight. For me, I cosplay is really interesting because, you know, when you're first exposed to it, it's kind of just like, oh, it's like Halloween when it's not Halloween. Mm-hmm, it's just right. people in costume. But then it's like once you get into it on a level that we are just by default of the industries that we cover, you realize that it's like it is not just costumes. It's different. It, there's a, a very distinct difference between cosplay and costume. And um, I think you can see it even when we go to the show floors when there's just someone wearing something that they bought off of a website right. versus somebody that made this and crafted made the costume, it and yeah. like really thought about it. 
and you know custom made the stuff and that's not to say that you can't just buy the stuff and that doesn't count or whatever cuz like there is something to looking looking like the person and like wearing the right costume for who you are or mm-hmm. whatever it is for who you are um but even then it's there's something you said about the people that do not look like the character at all but because their costume's so good it still has that feel or if they mm-hmm. do something unique or whatever and like it's interesting that um I'm I'm now friends with a lot of people that do professional cosplay and it's interesting that it's a lifestyle to them. Like it's not just oh I dress up and it's kind of fun. It's like they love like in the same way that I love making videos and sure. love doing mm-hmm. this stuff, they love making costumes. They love thinking about what their next thing's going to be. Learning and new skills. Learning for new it. skills and like actually crafting like creating like 3D printing and like right. doing all this stuff and it's like it's really cool seeing them get into it and and people getting excited about what's the next thing they're going to do. I forget if it was Vampy or if it was Meg, but one of them was like getting super excited because they were going to learn like leather making. You know what I mean? So for their next costume they can make their own holsters and she's like, "Jeez, yeah, like I, mean, I would just like Google, you know, and try to find this yeah. to buy it and have it." But they they don't want that. You yeah, know, I they know. want they but that's want how it to started it. for them and then eventually yeah. their their level of uh love and passion for mm-hmm. for this like takes you where all of us do where you're like you like you for instance went from like looking at other people that were making videos to going i can do that yeah and now learning those skills every day and then realizing holy shit like it's that one second where you have to admit to yourself like oh this is a lifelong endeavor Mm -hmm. i'm going to do this forever and i'm just going to keep getting better at it but i don't really i don't that's not what like it's not about reaching something it's about just having fun and doing progressing it, yeah. and learning new shit and like getting better at it and that's kind of the cool thing so like you brought up vampy like for me i remember the first cosplay i saw of her was her tifa one from Final fantasy 7 and like it's pretty damn spot on it's right. like damn you you have the body for that and you have the look for that and the costume was perfect so it's like great but then as i start seeing her do it a bunch of different ones it's like it's to the point now where it's like it's not even about the character so much as it's about her and it's just like it's cool seeing her do things. her interpretation and of uh, her. you know jessica negri that's a whole different thing where like she has a, a very unique style when you look at her stuff mm-hmm. it's like she has a very sexy style she has a very like i'm gonna take this thing and make it sexy yeah and she sort of like costumes, reverse engineers it like like cook would do right yeah Where like i'm just gonna take the great how can i make this, this as small like, as possible yeah. but it's like <laughs> but there's an art to it though like she it's good because it's, it's not like, pornographic and that's the thing she does it to a point where you're like that is actually a tasteful level of sexiness yeah i mean it's it's interesting because it's like you can almost look at just the the costume and be like oh that looks like a jessica negri costume right and that's cool like that's art you yeah. know, and I think a lot of people uh, overlook that and just look at it. And it's just like they'll have all their comments and they'll say their, their things, but it's like there's so much thought put into these sure. things and so much just like weird decisions that need to be made and just mm-hmm. the sheer stress and shit that you put your body through wearing these oh outfits God, is insane. Yeah. The heat you need to deal with, having to carry the props, making sure that you're not breaking the 3D printed whatever the hell belts that you made like Mm -hmm. there's so much of that stuff that goes into it's like think of the most uncomfortable halloween costume you've ever had to wear when you were trick-or-treating and how upset you were that night knowing that you're gonna get the candy so it was all good yeah but just upset at the shit that you had to deal with yeah but imagine that when every five seconds motherfuckers like me are stopping you to ask to take a picture yeah yeah, yeah. and all that stuff and it's like oh well that's the payoff too that's the thing that's their moment and it's like it's always great for me to see like my friends like sheena from um dad like the rooster teeth family yeah she she's fucking awesome like she does a whole bunch of different cosplays and it's great to see her taking pictures with stuff and a lot of her posts are just her with people that want to take pictures with her right right and it's like it's cool that it goes both ways that Mm -hmm. it's like we want to take pictures with them but then they also want pictures with other people kind of validating what they do because what they do a lot of people don't see as like a real thing so and what's also interesting to me is I feel like a lot of these people, 
like, you know, we, we think like, what would we dress as? Mm-hmm. We obviously jump to the things that we like, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the game franchises we love or the Superman or whatever. Yeah. It's interesting to me to see some of these people dress as characters like for anime characters where they don't watch the anime mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's like, it's always that weird, unique interpretation of like, they just like making the costume. Like they're dressing as this person because they thought that costume was a nice challenge that they yeah. wanted to try to do. Right. And it's like, they there's just so many different it. aspects. Then there's the complete opposite of that of they love this character. Yeah, see. They've invested for years, so it means something to th- them. That's the camp I would fall into. If I was, because like the work and stuff when you follow these people on Instagram or on their Twitters, like the work and hours and all the stuff that goes into it, I would have to be like making something that I'm super, super into and believe in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because even like, I've kicked around like I thought about like maybe I, maybe I would cosplay as Teddy from Persona, but then how the fuck do I know to build a Teddy costume? And I was like, that's fucking impossible. And then sure enough, at Momocon this year, Teddy rode the escalator down past me, and the guy had the head off and was just melting and disgusting. And I'm like, yep. And it's like at at uh, uh, Pax Eastless last time when I went and hosted that Borderlands party. The Borderlands community is fucking crazy about cosplay, and they're awesome at it. You know what I mean? There's so many amazing things. But there was a dude who came in a claptrap outfit he made, and it was that. You know, he got there and the party's like three or four hours long and then there's like a costume contest at the end of it. So like after 30 minutes of being there, he was just like leaning the thing on a couch, like him in it still. He refused to get out of it because he wanted to take photos and move the arms and do the, the and yeah. I was like, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to, to see. And then, you know, with me, like I love Disney princesses. It's kind of my thing at this point. It's kind of like part of my character and it's like a joke, but it's like, I legitimately, uh, I love Disney, you know? And so it's like. Disney princesses are going to be a thing that are at every convention. You're going to see people dress up as as any of them. There's so many now. And it's cool because they're always slightly different variations. Because they don't – I mean, they sell costumes for those things. But most of those, they're, the people make them in yeah. some way. And it's cool seeing all the different little variations and stuff. And it's like – I love the interpretations, but when you see someone that's really nailing it, you're like, that's Disneyland quality. And <laughs> it's like, good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, when they, the the best thing is when they act in character and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, uh, at MomoCon, I saw... Um, you saw a bunch. You took a, a whole photo bunch, with but everybody. There was an Alice and a, a Mad Hatter. And the Mad Hatter was like, asked to take a picture, and he was just like, talking all crazy and shit. And like, you punched him in the cool. face. Yeah, I did. But, you know, it was fucking awesome. It sucked for him. That's but, why every yeah. time I see an Octodad, I yell, why does everybody want to take a photo with that guy in a suit? <laughs> That's really funny. Because remember Octodad, mm-hmm. the story, well, of course, he was. Yeah, no, I, well, I remember very well. Yeah. How could I forget? Just making sure. Just making sure. Colin, thought, who would you cosplay as? I don't know who I'd cosplay as, though, to, for the last question. Like, I, I've thought about it a long time. Solid Snake was my answer a long time. I mean, time. wouldn't it be the Green Ranger? Why, why wouldn't you be the Green Ranger? You should be the Green Ranger. Because, I mean, it, I just don't have that. Or the better Hair of the two is Rangers, another thing, man. The Red Ranger. Yeah. As but, the best if, but, I mean, like, it's your spin on it. If you were in a dope-ass Green Ranger outfit and you were walking around with the helmet. White Ranger's good. I want white. We should go it's Jason Davis Rangers. Frank either way. We don't mind. Yeah. You and I should go. I should go as a Green Ranger and you should go as the White Ranger. And we should I'll just go stare Ranger. at each other not understanding. Like I don't understand what the difference is between the two the entire yeah. time. All right. That works for me. Um, I, you know, the the one thing that fascinates me about this this whole thing is that most of the people that go there don't give a shit what other people think about them. Like they do in in, in the degree of like I, they want people to respect and appreciate that they're part of the community. But as far as their body images are concerned, I'm always fascinated and almost inspired by how how free people are because there is no fucking way I would show my stomach at one of these events. I would not wear a costume where that was that showed any of the parts of my body that I am not 100% okay with. You ain't with. seeing them nick cheeks. You're not seeing the, well, I mean my ass is fantastic. First of all, so you can see my ass. Pretty much anything from waist down is great. Anything but my waist. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? So you yeah. see these people walking around and they don't like 
if someone were if they were celebrities, there's no way they would they would wear this stuff because they would want to make sure that they had makeup and all this stuff and like if the, the lighting was correctly and stuff like that because you wouldn't want to be photographed like that. But these people, especially the, the the girls that go, are so free and so like confident in themselves that it's it, I see that and I'm like that is fucking awesome. Like how come I can't be like that? How yeah. come I can't go in the ultimate cosplay that I want to go as, which is uh, just the cut off football jersey. That uh, Keanu, Keanu Reeves oh. wore in, in, uh, in Point Break. No, I don't know if he did that or not. But yeah, Wildcats, perfect example. Where he's just like wearing it. And you're like, why, why, why am I seeing your belly button right now, guy? <laughs> Great abs, though. Um, but I think I'd probably go as Mega Man and just get it totally wrong just to piss Colin off. You go as like make, ba- box art Mega Man? <laughs> That'd be funny. Actually I could really actually funny. pull off a good box art Mega Man. You could. That's because you got the rosy idea. cheeks. I like that. Oh, he's out of shape, too. Is he? Yeah. Now, something I don't like about cosplay, and I saw this a lot at, at this Momocon, and I could be wrong about this, and if I am, I'm, I apologize, but I don't like it when people just use it as an excuse to wear a costume, because it's like, that's you're missing the point of this. Like, when people are just wearing, like, a um, a giraffe, like, onesie, mm-hmm. okay. it's like... Or the kid with a banana. We had a fan come up with yeah, a banana, it's like, but I'll be honest he was with you, a banana that costume. made me laugh, and I was like, thank you for wearing that banana. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I wonder what the... Why he they did that? If it was like maybe it's their dog, starter, if, it's their starter drug on this. But whole if thing. it's like, but if it's like the banana was, if he is cosplaying as a specific banana, no internet banana, peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, yeah, but banana. that's the thing. I think the banana right. was to make fun of everyone else that was walking around. No he was way. No, nah, it was so. a commentary of some sort. I don't think it was. Hey, everyone's cosplaying. I want to be part of this community. I'm going to throw a banana on. I think it was. I think it was. Everyone's dressed like idiots. I'm going to put a banana on. Banana dude, and be please, an idiot as well. If you're watching this, of course, let us know. I want to know because it's like that. I do want to know banana the answer to that dude. question is why did you dress like a banana? Why did you dress like a giraffe? Why did you dress like these things that are just like – I don't think these are characters. I could be wrong because the are. world is vast. There's so many different things. And that's the thing. There's not rules to cosplay. Right. It's not like it's only anime people or only like, – there's Disney princesses. What the fuck? You know, like, that's not really a thing in terms of like – Oh, it's a real thing. Oh, it's a real damn thing. Oh, it's all perfect. But, uh, like, you know. Oh, it's all perfectly. I wish I had a body for Spider-Man as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, dope-ass Spider-Man costume. I mean, spandex in general. I just wish I could rock them. You no could. one can, you though. Could. I, can, I can wear them. You have to be like Andrew them. Garfield level skinny. Andrew Goldfarb? <gasps> Colin, cosplay thoughts yes. and who would you cosplay as? Um, I mean, I'm not a fan of cosplay personally, but I mean, you can do whatever you want. That's totally fine. I appreciate it. I, I, I My whole thing is more kind of to Tim's point that if you're going to do it, I think you should do it right. I see a lot of like, I see a lot of great cosplay and then I see things that seem a little half-assed to me that I don't, <laughs> that I don't quite understand, but to each his own. I mean, if that's what you want to do. Um, my favorite thing about cosplay is watching other people that have no idea what's going on look at people in cosplay. <laughs> oh, and yeah. when you're in places like we were at Momocom where you're in CNN Center, there's a lot of serious people there. And then, you know, in the hotel where a lot of people are staying. And I just, I, my favorite thing was watching them watching cosplayers. Um, my, my story to that, and I'll let you get back to it, is the fact that I remember once I got a cab at PAX Prime. And I, you know, when you leave PAX, no, I'm sorry, PAX East. Because so, so, you walk out and there's that West in there. I got the cab there, I Ubered it, and then I came around the corner, and then we were stuck in the traffic trying to get out of the West. And, and Vampy bit me was over there, and she was in her uh, Zero Suit Samus outfit with the Metroid, like on her ha- 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 head or in her hand by her head. And the guy's like, What the hell is that? And I had explained <laughs> what it, all this was. Sorry. Well, it's a, it's a uh, Metroid. Uh, my only thing is that I get disappointed when I see people not being self-aware of where they should cosplay and what i mean by that is like there's always a one or two people at e3 that are cosplaying and i'm like no you don't you don't cosplay it's not yeah. a show for cosplaying this is an industry um show. but uh you know it's fun if that's what you want to do that's great i i was talking to tim about it and i'm like people would expect so little of me in terms of like cosplaying or doing that i would love to do like see, just in secret 
just like a the most ornate thing you've ever seen in your life, and then just show up at one of these shows. That'd be awesome. Like, and I was saying that I would love Galactus. I would love to go as day to day. But the <laughs> that would be but, amazing. But the thing about day to day, there was a day to day at the show, and he was he actually was pretty cool, like a, a guy, but he didn't have like a mask on or anything like that. The, th- the thing about day to day is it's not right without the face. So that would cost like you. He has to be. It has to be that crazy like. You know, like <laughs> that sociopathic. But like, you can I'm gonna do that kill face. you with this hammer. You I'm just kill nail you that face. It. But I, I want the, I want the, the like his face. I would, I would love to get a mask, like a really beautifully done mask that I can wear. And if I could do that, then I'd probably just do day to day and just be, his, be him or whatever. Because I feel like I see, I've never seen, I've never ever ever in my life seen good Mega Man cosplay. Mm. Like it's just, it's just one of those things where like you can't do it. Like you, you, they have huge arms, they have huge legs, they're squat, they're supposed to be short. Mega Man's like four and a half feet tall. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like it, it's it's not. There's certain things that I love that I don't. Yeah, that's that's like the outfit's fine. The face is not right. Fucking the, amazing day to day. Are you selling that to me? Yeah. The like, but like the face is what the essence of day to day is that face. Yeah. So like that's the big yeah. problem with me. But the things that I really love, like the things that I would dress up as, is like nothing for Mega Man's gonna work except for maybe Wily would be Wiley, fun. You could rock and Greg Wiley. and I could do Wily and Light probably because Greg's like kind of a little bigger than I, and he could be light and I could be Wily, and I think that'd be fun. But that'd be cool. But um, the only other cosplay I'd like to do is like like Simon Belmont or Trevor Belmont or something from Castlevania. Oh, could, oh my God! Yes. But, like like with super a wig. tight that'd be fucking pants. Awesome. I would get you super tight pants. And like boots that had a little bit of a heel on them, and like a collar that was just gorgeous with like a like, the, like the sort of like leather armor. Ru- no, I was that, gonna, yeah the dicky that the dicky that ruffles out. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just thinking Prince. I think yeah, I just want you. You are doing. Yeah. <laughs> you're, thinking, you're thinking more of like Dracula than than a yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. You're describing Bowie too. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, just I just want to dress color it up in like the tightest jeans you've ever seen. I love it. Those are the things that that, that would be fun. But like at the same time, like I don't ever think about that and be like, this is something I want to do. I, no, that's, I, that's thing, not the yeah. way I. We were talking about it, like I don't really. I don't go. I don't like conventions really like for those reasons like i like going to them and meet our fans and they like interact with our fans and do our stuff but i don't ever have a need to go to them mm-hmm. um and so that's just not the way i interact with nerd like my nerdy side my nerd culture like that's just not the way i do it yeah so i've never had a drive to dress up as anything you know and i don't think that i probably realistically ever will although i when i see a great costume i love it like i i said i told you guys i think it was at new york comic con last year my favorite cosplay i've ever seen in my life were these two guys dressed as the ice climbers and it was awesome, but they had like booty shorts on, and like just <laughs> p- like p- like one you know one of them was you know wearing pink, one of them was wearing like the baby blue, and they just had like booty shorts on and like just little vests. Yeah, and like but it was perfect, like the like the the, the white puff around them and the, like mm-hmm. the hood, and then they just had like hammers in their hands, and they were awesome. And that's I was like, awesome. this is they don't look like the ice climbers at all, like but like that's their interpretation. Yeah, and it was yeah, fucking awesome, so and they were getting stopped like every two seconds. I I I kept seeing them and like saying hey to them like. I was like, this is this is brilliant because they're not, they're not trying to be, you know, Popo and Nana, whatever the fuck their names are. Yeah, you know, they're, they're trying to be they're trying to be you know their interpretation of the ice climbers. Yeah, Alfredo was sexy Diddy Kong at one point, and he just had a little brown thong and just the shirt, the little tank top. Alfredo <laughs> is, has a great body. I'll put it that way. Um, there's a part of me that wants to get really yacked because I am on the shorter side and go as the Wolverine. Oh, Not the awesome. Wolverine. I'm sorry. Wolverine. Like, I want to go as... <laughs> the Batman. I want to go as, like, brown and yellow, like, costume That'd be Wolverine awesome. with the freaking horns and, like, little puff shoulder things and just bare arms, gloves. You can leave whatever closet. You don't have to have the closet. But just walk you have to like have that. the closet. But the big boots. Like, I, I've never seen... I mean, I'm sure if I Googled it right now, there'd be some amazing Wolverine costumes. But the problem with the films is that they made it so much easier to do Wolverines. All you need is the hair. And a tank top. And a tank top. Cigar. Mm-hmm. And a cigar. And you're like, oh, and the mutton and the and the, the big chops. And, like, that's all you really need. But I'm like, 
go in all and have the mask with the white eyes and like the whole thing just be like, you know, like the little, yeah, just five foot Not two awesome. fur ball. Be awesome. Nice. I liked your topic. Thanks. My topic is nice people. Good. Lots of these, of course, these topics today have come, it seems, from Momocon. Mm-hmm. And at Momocon, this time around, we got to hang out with a gentleman we all know and love named Megaran. Mm-hmm. And Megaran is one of the nicest human beings I continue to come in contact with. He keeps coming into our world. And he, of course, is a big time rapper on the mm-hmm. internet. Mm-hmm. You can find him. He, he sells out shows all the time. Played a bunch at Momocon. He's, which is awesome. I, I, at, I made it to one of them. Yeah. Which is really cool. I've been a Megaran fan for many a year. Yeah, you were one of the Greg. people who freaked yes. out when he reached out yes, to yes, us yes, about yes. coming on the shows. He has a song called Grow Up, which I highly recommend because it's really, really awesome. And I never in my life thought I'd see that song live. Yeah. And I did. And it was, it was a weird moment. I called my brother. And I was like, listen to this. He was like, is that fucking Megaran? I'm like, yeah, it's fucking Megaran. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> That's a good moment. Yeah. But Megaran is, like I said, super successful. So the fact that, that he came here and played on Colin and Greg Live the one time was amazing. The fact that he, I, I said, oh, you're going to Momocon. We're there too. You should come to the Colin and Greg Live show. He came to the Colin and Greg Live show. Uh, then I was, he texted me. He's like, hey, what are you guys doing for dinner? I'm like, oh, we have a meet and greet tonight. You should come. He's like, okay. Came, stayed the whole time, took photos and stuff. And he just radiates awesomeness. You just want to hug him. You just want to talk to him. He's one of those guys who's always happy, it seems. I'm sure he has down moments like we all do. But always happy. Always super happy to see you. Always want to talk to you, help you out, do whatever he can. He's on Patreon, too. You should go get him there. One of the nicest people I've ever met. And we don't talk about the nice people enough. Mm-mm. So I wanted to spend a topic talking about the nice people in our lives. Yeah. I'm starting with Mega Rain. That's I love good Mega Rain. I mean, Momocon in general, I think nice people was like a overwhelming thing that just kept happening. Yeah. Like, down in Atlanta, people were very nice. Yes. It was like kind of weird. Oh, sugar, pardon our progress. Yeah. I think that especially, like, we talk a lot about Comic-Con at E3. Those are, we see the industry side of that, right? But you have to understand if you're going to be around a, a group of people who are into that specific subject, like, matter. Basically, nerd, quote, unquote, nerd culture, even though I don't necessarily, like, agree or like that term. Um, just because, like, spoilers, nerd culture is mainstream culture. It's everything. Now. Like, it's exactly, everything right. now. Yeah. So, like, if you think that, and and to each his own, if you if you take pride in being called a nerd or, or, or liking to sort of uh, disassociate yourself from mainstream culture in that regard, more power to you. But we live in a time right now where we need to stop pretending that comic books and video games are for, quote, unquote, nerds. Everyone plays video games now to some degree. And everyone loves comic book movies to some degree. I'm overgeneralizing, but that's way more mainstream than it, than it has ever been in the past, and it's just going to continue to keep going. I don't know why the hell I started talking about that. <laughs> oh, because when you go to these conferences, you meet these people, especially Momocon, where it is not an industry show. It is just a sh- for sh- shits and giggles show. Like, you're going to go. It's just it's just be to, to celebrate the culture. And you meet people that, like, hold the door open for you or other people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or, like, I was telling Tim, like, the interactions in the elevators are hilarious because – you're sitting there and people will come in and there's that awkward moment of you like that you can tell the person wants to compliment the other person on their cosplay but they don't want to do it in such a way that kind of makes them look like they're not cool you know so they have that kind of like you know like you know they kind of point at each other like oh, you're so and so oh you're so and so awesome awesome and then one of them leaves and the other person is like I just met someone that was in the same thing I met and it's fun um, so you get these really really nice people at these things and long story short and you get it's fun to be around that sort of positive energy. Because unlike E3, which sucks your soul, 
Um, not true. And it's, it's by day four, everyone just wants to. I mean, basically, E3 is is like Thunderdome. But everyone just wants to kill each other after the third day. You call everything Thunderdome. I, well, I don't. I'm not really sure I know what that term means. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that that is fun. It is fun being around MomoCon. I look for and same with PAX. Right when we went to PAX East, I was just like, wow, man, everyone's really nice and cool. Yeah. And like even and they're respectful. Even when they come up to like say what's up to you, they're always, you know, everyone's always respectful of each other's time. It's an it's it's nice. I like our lives. It's yeah. good. Um, I don't know who else. There's Tim's a girl. There's a girl named Jess Lamb. Mm. Uh, no one would know her, but you all should because she is the nicest girl I think I've ever met. Nicest person I think I've ever met. Why? She's always she's always been just very kind to everybody. She's the type of person that will always make sure everyone is having a good time. She will really go out of her way to like do stuff and like yeah, opening doors and all that stuff to her would just be like basic level needs to happen yeah but like she would travel hours to make someone's day if that was an option you know what i mean like she's the type of person that really just even if she doesn't really know him it's just like she just wants to be nice is this an internet person or a person from no, real she's, life? she's a real she's just a real person okay which is weird it's weird to talk about real people but that it's like weird. she's she's a real ass person and it's like she's the type of person that i don't talk to that much but whenever i do talk to it always reminds me of like man like I need to be a better person because of this girl. Mm-hmm. Those are good people to know. Yeah. And it's like she is the type of person that doesn't necessarily like keep up with my crazy life and all that crazy shit. Sure. But it's like every once in a while she'll just reach out randomly and just be like, hey, I'm proud of you. And it's like that's so unnecessary, but it means so much to me. Sure. And it's like moments like that that are like, this is why I keep doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like that unnecessary, unasked for niceness is very rare. Shout out to Jess Lamb. We love you, Jess Lamb. Yeah. Colin, what nice people do you know? I don't know all sorts of nice people. I mean, the the funny thing about about me, I think, because I, I have such a curmudgeonly way about me, is that I'm actually like super friendly. Um, like when I go out and about, like when I'm interacting with people, you're super and nice to people who don't for those, live with you. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. I hate Greg, but other than those homeless uh, people you kill. Yeah, and and I mean, there's things we're not going to talk about on the show. Okay, today. Sorry, I apologize. But like my my basic interaction is though like when I walk I'm actually quite friendly um, in my day to day life in terms of if I go to a bar or I go to a, you know I'm, I'm checking out at the grocery store I always go like, hey how are you doing and you know and, I'm like, and you know and like good and I'm like okay and you know thank you very much and you know walk away or whatever sure. the thing is is that I turn on a dime very quickly if someone's not nice back I like I'll immediately yeah you do like go no like, you do. And like because like I'm like it's I'm a, I always put out a good vibe until I don't get it back and that's it. I'm not gonna put out a good vibe anymore. It's a beautiful like, that's just thing kind of, to watch. That's kind of the way it is. Where it's like like I'll hold the door open for someone and we've talked about it before. Yep. And then I'll and like they'll like walk past me and I'll be like you're welcome like right to them to make sure like they they like I don't like mutter it under my breath. And like that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. So like I feel like I was raised properly to treat people with a level of respect and the rapport grows and grows if you're nice to me. Like, like, wasn't there one guy that you're like, you're welcome? And he turned me, he's like, what do you want? Like, a, that what was do you in want New a York. sandwich? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, touche. It was, well, it was awesome because I'm so used to not being in New York. <laughs> right. Where I am very New York. Yeah. In the way I carry myself. And I'm used to doing that. And people in California just walk away and don't, don't do anything yeah. about it. But I was on the subway uh, in New York City like a year ago. And I, I let some, like, some, like, gentleman kind of got in front of me. And I was just like, oh, go ahead. And then he just walked past me. And I'm like, oh, you're welcome. And he's like, what do you want? Metal? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I walk yeah. up the escalator because I'm so used to not being challenged Yeah, um, uh, in that respect. but So I try to always set the tenor of mm-hmm. niceness. Mm-hmm. And people have noted that, like people that don't know me very well or people that are around me a lot are always been like, you're actually quite 
friendly to, you know, like everyone you encounter. And I'm like, yeah, I like to put out a good vibe and see. And what surprises me more is that most people that I put out good vibes with don't seem to necessarily reciprocate it, um, which I'm yeah. disappointed in just generally. I just don't feel like people in society really are all that friendly to each other. And I try to be a please and thank you, how are you kind of guy, hold doors, pick up things if someone... I actually was telling Tim, this is, this is a good example. When we were in Atlanta, two things happened where I, I was very nice and, like, nothing... Like, it was actually, like, the antithesis of nice, like, the way I was treated back. On the plane down to Atlanta, mm. I watched this old man struggle with the monitor on his... Mm. T- like, trying to swipe the card, like... But, like, didn't tip, like, pitch it. Yeah. And then swipe the card to, like, buy a movie or whatever. Mm. And after like five minutes, I was like, I can't fucking take this anymore. And I got up and I was like, look, you got to do this. Like, you push it forward and then use your credit card. And he just looked at me and then did it and then just ordered his movie. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, I'll bear you, old yeah, man. And, and then the second time was like, like the second time, like in the food court, some guy like dropped his phone. The battery like flew across. The, and I was like, and I, like, he didn't notice. He was just having a conversation. I was like, yo, like, you dropped your phone. I don't know if you want to pick it up, and he just looked at me. Yeah. And then picked yeah. up the phone or whatever. I'm like, you're fucking welcome. To be, to be fair with that one, and I was thinking about that, he had his earphones in. And I think he might have been listening to music, and he was just, like, confused at what was going on. He just saw you, like, kind of point and stuff. Still, though, when he had his phone, even if he didn't know what was happening, like, if that was me, I would have, like, pulled him out and be like, oh, shoot, sorry, thank you, you know? Right. He didn't do that. He just kind of looked at you and just gave <laughs> Yeah, so I was just like, all right, like, so, like, I try to carry, like, I know I have a curmudgeonly way about me on the shows and stuff like that, but I think I ham that up a little bit. Like, I, like when I go out and about, I'm always, you know... I'm never like I never not say thank you. I never don't yes. say please. I kind of carry myself in a polite way. So I encounter nice people every day, but I also encounter people that are not very nice every day. The one thing I noticed is that, um, and I think it's just the nature of kind of funny's audience and the audience we've engendered and how we've kind of just feverishly pushed out people that are not friendly and not nice is that we just have a very nice audience. Yeah, the audience is great. Very, very like when we meet them, we meet them. We met hundreds of them uh, this weekend at Mo- in Atlanta. At the meet and greet and at, and at the panels and our, our signing sessions and stuff. Just very friendly people, please and thank you kind of people. Those are the kinds of people I like. I couldn't imagine not being a please and thank you kind of person. So I put that energy out and then you identify not really nice people. And my favorite thing is when the other person is even nicer. When you talk to them, I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, how are you? And it's like, oh, good. I'm doing well today. How are you doing? And I'm like, like oh. shut up. And I'm like, <laughs> busy. It's almost, it almost takes me off guard sometimes because yeah. I'm so used to just being like, you know, you know, what do you want? It's mm-hmm. nice. It's like a perfect example of yet was yesterday. I was in a bad mood just because I was tired and had to deal with a lot of stuff. And I was like, ugh, my wife needs me to go to Trader Joe's. But I know she's – so I went home to grab bags because I'm like, I don't want to pay for – we needed like a bunch of groceries. I don't want to pay 10 cents for each one of these bags. It's a little weird thing I got, a little weird war that's going on. It's a principle. And I, I came in not expecting to see my wife and she was there. And she was so excited to see me because we hadn't seen each other in like five days. And really like when I came home Sunday night, we got home – at midnight or 1230 and she was va- fast asleep and she sprung up and like ran to the door and hugged me and was like, hey, what are you doing here? And I'm like, and that totally changed my mood. Then I went to Trader Joe's. I was going to say, hey, what are you doing here? Where is the Trader Joe's? <laughs> you forgot. <laughs> no, 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 no. She was, she was just very excited and very happy and that flipped my mood so vastly, like 180 degrees. I was instantly just happy because I was like, someone is being nice to me and someone who I love is caring about me right now. Then I went to Trader Joe's. I was super excited to be there. Went around like 15 times, just distracted, looking at everything. But finally got everything I needed. Went up to the cash register, and this girl was dealing, the girl that was there, I could tell was having a really bad day. She was dealing with a foreign guy, and then there's nothing against foreigners, but I don't think he quite understood how grocery stores were supposed to work here. Either that or couldn't get his car to work. Something was not happening properly, where she was trying to explain it to him, how to like run his car through the thing, and he was just like, 
Oh, he's used to tapping it with the chip. I don't know what the hell it was. He's trying to figure out swipe cards. He was trying to figure out what the hell was going on, and she was like, "No." And then finally, I had to like help him swipe it. And he was like, "And he the whole time he wasn't being cool, a dick, it. but he wasn't really Helping. giving a shit." Yeah. And he was like laughing with his wife, and they were speaking in a different language, and she was just like, oh. "So when I got up there, she starts unloading my stuff, and I look her in the air, and I'm like, "How you doing?" And she goes, "I'm okay. How are you?" And I'm like, "I'm well. Do you mind if I bag my own stuff?" She goes, "That would be awesome." And I bagged all of my stuff. She didn't have to help it. I guess I like, I like bagging my own groceries. Me too. There's something weird Tetris about it that I want to like perfectly make the space for it. Also, it just speeds shit up. And by the end of it, I could tell I'm like my positive energy. She, she left. She's like, hey, see you later, man. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for coming in. I was like, hey, thanks for helping me. Great. And I, I could tell that I had just by being happy and positive yeah. flipped her mood It goes well. a long way, man. It was crazy. Yeah, it was really does. weird. I was thinking about it. Like there was, I felt like I was missing somebody. Because I was like, th- there's been a few times in my life where I'm like, this person is the epitome of this word. Sure. And nice. There was one guy that I'm like, you were the nicest person I've ever met. Jared Petty. Oh, Jared mm. Petty is one of the nicest people Oh, ever. my God. Yes. Yeah, Jared Petty's a nice guy. I was thinking Darren, too. Darren Brazil. Darren Brazil. See, I thought about Darren, but Darren can be a dick. And it might be because of the level of my relationship with sure. Darren. But Darren can be really not nice, too. Right. Having no, said no, that, Darren's Darren not, can be very nice. Darren's not ever not nice. Darren just enjoys screwing with you sometimes. No, Darren's done some not nice shit. No, that's yeah, not true. I'm He's never you done out, anything Darren. malicious. He, Darren's really, really, really nice. And then if he has that rapport with you, will occasionally like give you shit or like nag you a little bit for fun because it's fun. That's the same thing we all do. We just no, we Darren's been, Darren's been a dick to me. Like he's done Bullshit. not nagging. He's done some dick shit. That's because but you probably that, deserved it. Also, you probably deserved it. He's also shit. done like a lot of very incredible things for me and I feel like Darren, having said all that, is my perfect example of who I want to be mm-hmm. in terms of like physique and man bun. Physique and also Such just in terms of bun. like his ideals and his like idea of what a family should be and all that stuff. Like he, he kind of got that shit down yeah. in a lot of really cool ways. Um, but going back to it, man, Dear, Jared Petty, mm. Jared Ooh. Petty on a mean bone in that guy's body. Nope. No, man. Nice guy. The reverend. There was a, sometimes people are too nice. Like Jared Petty. Yeah. 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 Like where it's like, I want not because I'm, I mad at him for being nice. I like him being nice, but it's like, I want to see you not be nice. Mm-hmm. There's something. What, what do you hate about me, Jared? Tell me right now. He that was one of the things. You. Remember when we all he first met Clements? You. That was the problem. Clements was way too nice. Mm. We were like, there's got to be we something in you there. We eventually that? broke him all that. I'm sorry, bullshit. Yeah, what does it say about me that I met Clements and he was really nice and I'm like, I got to break that. I got to kill this and destroy well, because it. Because I think, I, think, I think the real world generally in, in work environments is a mixture of nice and being nice and polite but also being real and stern and mm-hmm. and speaking your mind and stuff like that some people are just timid about doing that kind of thing and i don't blame them because it's not because they just want to rock the boat i don't think there's anything wrong with that that's actually a good character trait but it doesn't necessarily work all the time in a professional environment so you need to you know it's a joke but you need, you need to kind of like break it it's mm-hmm. hard man like you know i think overall i'm a pretty nice person but like it's it's hard to be confrontational and to do that stuff and i feel like there's times when it's like in order to do the right thing you kind of have to be mm-hmm. and that's hard because balancing being nice and getting things done mm. a lot of the times those two things don't necessarily add up and it's hard to say things that are going to hurt somebody mm. you know and i feel like that that's that's where nice kind of ends and it's like there has to be some other type of word like a good there's a difference between being a good person and a nice person mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and um it's it's really hard to be nice all the time well, that's, i don't know if yeah, that's necessarily the best thing either what you're saying is like in order to do sometimes doing the right thing means you can't you have to not be nice yeah there's a great quote i don't know if you guys are caught up on game of thrones nope. it's not really spoiling at all 
There's a great quote where the uh, the old the old guy at the uh, Night's Watch, the really really old guy. I can't mm-hmm. remember what his, I can't remember what his title is. It's like Night's Watch. Tar- it's Meister. something. Meister. Meister is that what it is? Yeah. Um, he he is Mister the last second to last Targaryen. And he's like blind and he's late and he's and so oh, John Snow. Guy, yeah, Jon Snow comes up to him and is like <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um Jon Snow comes up to him and he's like, I need your advice on something. I need to do something. Um, but it's gonna be really unpopular. And the guy goes, Just do it. And he goes, But you don't even know what it is. And he's like, No, but you you feel the need to do it. You're the leader, you have to go do it. And then he says, he proceeds to say, he goes on this great little monologue, and then he ends it with kill the boy and let the man like and, and let the man live. Not and that's not in regards to what he's going to do. He's actually talking about just the, the war within every human being, where he's like, "You can't be the little boy anymore that, wants, that wants everyone to be his friend. You got to kill that kid, and you have to be a fucking man. Mm-hmm. And sometimes being a man means you got to be stern, and sometimes it means you have to be mean, or ha- in order to fight for what you want, because people will take advantage of you, and that's just the way it goes. But yeah, when you meet people like Clements, I don't think Clements is. Um, I don't think he wasn't ever like. I don't think it was to his. Uh, uh, I don't think it was bad for him to be that nice. I don't think he ever ran into a set of circumstances where he was that nice and it like really held him back in any way, shape, or form. But it was working around you two uh, complete and total assholes was we probably good for him. We brought him down to our level. We made him stronger. We brought him in the mud. No, he went from being a nice person to a good person. There you I, go. You don't know. You weren't there. You weren't in the I trenches was totally with there. us. I you don't know. You were smoking cigarettes. You and Brendan and I, you were eating meatball subs. I listened subs. to every podcast beyond. Yeah. I watched mm-hmm. all time. of your reviews. I read every article any of you guys have ever read. Finish, and I this, saw the finish this statement. I'm not guy. I can't. Don't even try. Don't even Jacob try. blank Jacob. I have no idea what you're talking Jacob about. Jacob is what I was looking for. Fucking f- phony ass fan. <laughs> I'll shit. tell you this. You know, <laughs> I, I, know, I know it pisses you off more than anything, though. When you don't enter cat PlayStation. Yeah, that is. That does really get me. That gets me good. Don't that do that. This me. podcast, though, the greatest podcast on the internet, next to the Joe Rogan podcast. You say we were the n- was that Superman <sighs> trying to punch, punch, you punch keep, reality? Just punch punch, harder. Yeah, he just punch harder. Right. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that's been the Game Over Greggy Show. And little did you know, it was brought to you by Loot Crate. Yeah, you can go to lootcratecom slash kind of funny and get three dollars off any new subscription uh, every month. There is a different theme, and you're guaranteed forty dollars or more worth of items curated around that their theme this month. Loot Crate invites you to join the cyber revolution. As we covered before, Tim, cyber, you think? It's good stuff. It's yeah. fun stuff that everybody likes. <laughs> cyber revolution. With an assortment like of cool tech-themed collectibles from a wide array of awesome franchises. They're featuring exclusive items from Terminator Genesis, Borderlands 2, and more, including an exclusive t-shirt you won't find anywhere else. So go to LootCrate.com slash kindoffunny to save $3 on your new subscription. And of course, thank you, Loot Crate, for supporting the show. And a thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for watching this year's show and supporting us that way. If you didn't know, this has been the Game Over Greggy Show. Each and every week, four, sometimes five best friends gather on this table. Each bring a random topic of discussion for your amusement. If you like that, throw us a few bucks on patreon.com slash kindoffunny. But if you don't have the money, no big deal. Go to youtube.com slash kindoffunny, where each topic's broken out day by day in video form until we post the entire show on Friday as a video and a podcast. Gentlemen, mm. thank you for your hard work today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. You're welcome, Colin. Thank you so you got much. Holes in your shirt, don't forget. I know. The weird thing is that so this shirt, my FBI shirt that I wore yesterday, both have holes in the same exact places in the front. And back. <laughs> what are you doing? The, it, and they're both the shirts that I brought to the live show. At some point, like that bag, like was on like a rusty nail or something, and just went through all my shirts. No, but I don't really care. Sad. Who am I trying to impress? Nobody. You got nothing. Yeah, I don't really care. Like, I have too many shirts anyway. Looks like you got shot though. It's like in the back and the well, front. It makes a lot of sense. She's been talking, talking shit. shit. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.